With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Log Talk Radio. It's time to strap our boots on. This is the perfect day to die. Wipe the blood out of our eyes. In this life, there's no surrender. And there's nothing left for us to do. Find the strength to see this through. Thank you very much for coming to Bard's Logic Political Talk, a part of the conservative and grassroots conversation, and also part of the Patriot Journalist Network. And you can find the Patriot Journalist Network by going to www.patriotjournalist.com. Uh, it's pretty good to be back. Uh, it's been a, a long couple of weeks here. Uh, I won't get into a lot of uh, details uh, uh, with you, um, just a lot of things going on. Uh, behind scenes. But anyway, uh, we're here tonight to talk about, of course, the Trump-Russia summit, his SCOTUS pick, and of course, uh, the recent uh, interviews in front of uh, Congress by Stroke, uh, Stroke and Page. So we'll be talking about all that tonight. And so uh, we do already have a uh, caller here, so we'll go ahead and get, uh, get straight to the callers. I do have some articles, some audio, and I'm also debating uh, a liberal friend of mine on Facebook uh, talking about the indictments of the 12 uh, new Russians. And we'll be, we'll be talking more about that too as I prepare my counter response uh, with her on uh, never date a liberal guys. Just, just don't do it. I know it's tempting. Just, just don't do it. You'll regret it forever. No, but anyway, <laughs> let's go ahead. And uh, we, you know, I see the folks on the line. So, uh, Thank you very much, and we're, we're going to uh, get you in. I believe the first uh, person we'll have on tonight is our friend Joseph from Hawaii. It's great to hear from everybody. Thank you very much for coming to the show. How are you tonight, Joseph? Aloha, Robert. How are you? Oh, hanging in there, my friend, hanging in there. Just uh, just a, a lot going on, and unfortunately, <laughs> not much of it's good. But anyway, that's uh, what we're on here uh, for the show tonight. But uh Let's go ahead and uh, get to our topics tonight. Thank you. Yes. So I I know this is going to be a tough one for your viewers to hear, but uh, I've even deliberated about this with uh, other friends of mine who are really staunch Trump supporters. And um, the one thing I was actually commenting with my friend David the other day was whatever Trump does, when he gets to that summit, he needs to pull a Reagan. Uh, move in which he needs to show that although he wants to have amicable relations with Russia, he needs to show that he's going to be firm on the world stage. 
that he needed to get up there and say that, you know, although we are striving for, you know, peace talks and trying to be on the same page more or less, I do have to let you know that, you know, any uh, any type of um, meddling or uh, any any actions that would adversely affect our, our allies or our country is not going to be tolerated. But he didn't do that, though. Um, he came across, I think, the wrong way to give the left the ammunition that they've been using. Um, I honestly don't think it was too good of a strategy, to be very honest. Uh, I think if he would have played it a little bit smart, maybe a little bit less friendly, less amicable, but more diplomatic, but firm with him, firm with Putin, because, you know, uh, under Obama's watch, uh, Putin, uh, you know, unlawfully annexed Crimea. Um, he did impose sanctions on Russia that um, did not deter Putin in any way from his uh, globalist expansion. And that was the one part where uh, he needed to be, he needed to portray that he would be firm with Putin on that stage. And uh, in my opinion, he failed in doing so. Um, regarding the Supreme Court justice, I think it's an amazing pick. Uh, there's nothing that uh, the liberals can do to stop it. So the good news is that will go forward, that will go through, it's just a matter of time. And um, once again, um, you know, the midterm elections are right around the corner. And I don't, Republicans can't afford any more um, scandals or anything of that nature, anything that would negatively taint chances of running. And I honestly think that um, his behavior towards Putin on that stage um, kind of opened the door to that. And uh, that's what I have to say about that. Well, we got Dr. Colbert online. We'll get you in a moment. I'm just going to re- respond to that. I mean, do I think it, these were <laughs> really bad uh, – uh, gas uh, for Trump and certainly could possibly be used, uh, you know, against the Republicans, you know, especially if they don't, you know, speak out against them in the midterms, uh, you know, certainly, of course, you know, they're going to use everything. I mean, uh, you know, but, you know, then again, you know, they can use, uh, you know, the things that were recently said by, you know, stroke struck uh, and what Russ called him smirk because uh, of the, the interview uh, a lot of the clips uh, that they could use uh, from him, you know, against the Democrats, which I think would be a good idea uh, to do, uh, you know, for camp, you know, campaigns. Yeah, I mean, did he step in it verbally? Yes. I mean, try to backpedal, which I hate when, when you know, Trump backpedals because it's – unfortunately, when he backpedals, you know, it's pretty much – he's backpedaling. I mean, even uh, Gingrich, uh, you know, had some uh, things to say, and we'll be bringing that up, uh, up later. Uh, but there was a – but it, yeah, I mean, what do the people really expect? Um, you know, I mean, this is this is diplomacy. You're not going to be. I, I just don't see where they could get him on the stage, you know, with Putin, and then just you know just be blasting him. <laughs> okay, I just I just I just don't see that happen. I don't see where that would do anything for diplomacy. Uh, but let's go ahead and uh, and, and then the, the pick. Uh, we'll talk more about that later. Uh, I'd have to say he wasn't my first pick. I uh, like, you know, I think he, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, once he gets through and there, maybe there will be third pick, Ellis, I believe her last name is Bennett. I think, you know, Amy Bennett would have been my pick on, uh, on the SCOTUS nomination, but 
Uh, do I think he'll get through? Yes, and we'll talk more about it later. Um, but he wasn't my first pick, maybe the second. You know, I just don't like, uh, you know, the ties to the Bush administration. I mean, I understand the logic of, you know, well, that's what you pretty much had to do, uh, you know, if you were going to, you know, be in the position and, and position yourself where, where, the way he did. Uh, but still, I'd rather see some more of, a, of an outsider. Uh, but we'll get more into that. Let's go ahead and bring in Dr. Colbert, though. Dr. Colbert, thank you very much for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Good, and I appreciate it. And for those who are not fully aware of, uh, go to calledtoduty.org, and we have written an article concerning the misunderstanding of the FBI's investigation and how they have falsified documentation. The one thing that the president should have stated is that to speak that somebody's guilty of a crime without having proof that the crime was committed by the president of Russia is to say that the American Constitution is incorrect. The president's position that Putin has not been proven to be guilty, even though they have found individuals who may or may not have been part of it, is really not what should have been taking place. There's now proven documentation that the majority of information that was taken and used in the elections for or against Clinton and Trump were actually documents and emails that the Chinese uh, had actually taken. And we we sent you an article, uh, in fact, and it is the articles that are involved. But the secondary notification is George Sawyer's that has been banded from Russia that we wrote the article and sent to you, and how George Sawyer's involvement in the falsified documents and implication of Russian uh, individuals were also submitted, uh, and the FBI was well aware of the involvement of George Sawyer's and was aware of the uh, documents taken by the Chinese. When the for, former FBI lawyer under James Comley and other individuals, to include Lisa Page and other people, all knew the facts that the actual documentations and the emails and the fraudulent actions were actually implemented by China. Now, I continue to tie China and Russia in together with Venezuela and the election in Venezuela. Russia in itself has not the technical capability to do what China does as the major manufacturer of computers that are being sold in the United States that have actually software in it that are easily manipulated by the Chinese. So if you look at the fact that the Clintons had computers and software that were data was taken from, you have to ask yourself which country has the greater possibility of taking that information. So to say eight or 10 people that may not be directly related to or working for Putin makes Putin himself liable is saying that the FBI who has manipulated elections in Israel, 
because the Democrats did not want a particular person to be the government officials of Israel, and the Republicans did not want it. So they, in fact, manipulated the computers in the elections. So political election manipulation has been a, a item that has been going on ever since the discovery of time. Uh, it is not something unknown, whether you're sharing the neighbor's wife in order to uh, run a country, as we know happened in the Old Testament, or if you look at the computer data. There's a lot of false information. We actually posted and requested an investigation of the Democrats and the Republicans who have been paid for by George Sawyers, and that when you listen to McCain or a Democrat that says that they want to do a military overthrow of the United States, and yet we're allowing these individuals to continue to be in our Congress as they are, in fact, going against the Constitution and uh, actually committing treason, as has McCain and, and, as far as I'm concerned, many of the other senators and uh, House of Representatives. We're asking in our article to the president, in fact, the one I sent you on George Sawyer's, along with the Chinese discovery, was emailed to the president today, along with items and a discussion of the Electoral College and other things. I don't believe that individuals that are listening to the newscast are coming up to the right answers. They're forming their opinion without doing research. They're saying, this guy said this, so I'm for or against because I give an opinion rather than stating what has factually been proven. I believe that anyone who gets on this show tonight that wants to give an opinion needs to present the facts. And the facts are that it has been discovered that the computers were hacked by the Chinese. The facts are that there has not been a direct relationship to Putin, and because 12 people out of a country may or may not have done something, and to state you want these 12 people to come to the United States and be investigated, I think Putin's comment was very clear. I would like to have the same individuals in the United States that hacked our system to come to Russia for our investigation. And if we want to make an exchange right. So when they're looking at making a statement, should he have said it until that it has been actually proven that the president of uh, Russia committed a crime, that we should condemn him for the crime? Or should we just be more watchful of everyone around us and these are the things that are not being said and we're going to see that the president will not necessarily be changing his position because there is still a lack of proof because the FBI has covered up the actual identity of who broke into the computers of Clinton uh they they have not shown the relationship of George Sawyer's uh, we are making it very clear that we believe that between the Chinese, George Sawyer's, and Islam, and Sharia law are the real reasoning behind 
the false information that everybody's getting today, Robert? Yeah, and what the indictments, and that's, you know, and I've got an article here, you know, of course it's being all politicized. Through my understanding, he's putting these indictments out there without showing any evidence for the indictments, nor, and I don't believe any of these, uh, the Russians have been named, have they not? I mean, you, you, we could indict people. Say, oh, we indicted these people. Well, well, who are they, and what evidence uh, do you have to show that they actually have done, you know, what you're, you know, have indicted them for? I mean, I haven't seen any type of evidence. I mean, has anyone put any? I mean, I haven't seen anything. Is there anything out showing that there's evidence that they did that they did it, other than, oh yeah, hey, by the way, you know, these guys did this. Yeah, I think what they had, they had that there were certain uh, um, links that may have shown that somebody tried to get into a system that was in uh, a local area in the United States, and they've tried to tie these people into it, but they have already been proven uh, that the majority of the information that is being presented and has been uh, falsified. Uh, the FBI is trying to cover its own trail, and we're seeing more and more data coming out. Uh, the cover-up of Clinton is the real reason why they continue to push the Russia issue because of the Democrat Party has committed a large amount of treason. And we go back to the impeachment of Obama who knew about everything that was going on. He knew about the uh, investigations and the failure of the Clintons. He knew about the, uh, what is it, the $400,000, the $4 million that was wired directly to the accounts. And even Putin says, you know, we have found that there were investment companies in our country that made direct investments to the Clintons. Uh, illegally, and yet the American government is pursuing uh, the president of the United States. I mean, this is Putin saying this, and yet the people aren't even saying, well, here's a president of another country saying, why aren't you investigating Clintons? Uh, And then you have the Democrats, and even some of your Republicans are now, uh, John McCain being one that we've asked to be removed from office and people can say what we yeah. want. I've never been in favor of John McCain and I never will. Yeah, be. I'm never been a fan I, either. I, I, this is not about his health. This, he has been uh, funded by, and it will one day be proven by George Sawyers and the, his actions as it has been other de- Republicans and the majority of the Democrats and this entire election uh, scenarios uh, has to come to a closure as we get into the next election and the president reconsidering the uh, changing of the and in the enforcement of the Constitution for the electoral colleges and how, you know, 29 people are selected in the state of Florida. So when the Constitution Party need to get on the ballot, I get my own 29 people. And then the Democrats get their own 29 and the Republicans get their own 29. And yet they're not elected, these 29 people. Yet the 29 people in Florida are going to be the ones to determine who's going to be the president. So the fact that the president gets elected 
doesn't mean he is the one that people are electing. What they're doing under the Constitution is they're electing the electors who elect the president. And so the article we sent you today, which is the different uh, articles of the Constitution in relationship, when we follow the procedures of the Constitution and we get rid of the uh, computerized system, which is being manipulated by Bill Gates, by the Chinese, by George Sawyers, and by a majority of people, this changes the position of what, what Trump is doing. If we find and ask a question, what has Trump not done to better America? And the answer, there is nothing that he hasn't done to better America. So you pick on something, he spoke out of line when he said Putin did nothing wrong. No, Putin was not convicted of a crime. How can I say Putin did something wrong? When the president allowed the people to manipulate him to correct his statement, he really should have said, why are you committing a person to prison time as being guilty when under the Constitution he is innocent until proven otherwise? That's how they should have stated it, because the American people are totally out of line on understanding the American Constitution. I believe I got uh, an article here about Sawyer's. Um, let's double check here on the uh, on the website. Let me see. I thought I did. I thought I seen something. I was uh, looking at it, but we got is it one, one of that the I sent you today? Or? Um, it, it may be actually the same one, but I um, man, there's one about McCabe and Mueller. Let's see. Oh, yeah, I sent you the one on Stephen Cohen, who wants to start a military coup against the president. So he wants to breach the Constitution. So that was one I sent you. And then there was one um, in regards to, well, he's on several articles where he is, he needs to be removed from office immediately. Uh, when they start throwing a military coup against the president of the United States, they have no business being in um, in office. Uh, there was also, uh, when you go into the, you know, we show that the uh, total violation and the band, uh, if you pull up Sawyer's name, why was George Sawyer's banded from Russia and it was determined because he was manipulating the elections under an organization in Russia. So he was removed from Russia. He was also removed from his own country of Hungary uh, because he was manipulating the elections in Hungary. And he was banded to come into his own country. So when you go... So hasn't he also look, been accused of uh, doing uh, currency manipulation? Well, absolutely. In fact, now he's involved in, in Colombia... And they now have charges trying to find against him, trying to oust the current president and undermining the guns and drug control of Colombia. So there's new articles on that. Why aren't we focusing on this guy? Why are you focusing on the president of the United States when you have a multi-billionaire who's been removed from seven to ten major countries? He's not allowed in China. He's not allowed in Russia. He's not allowed in Hungary. He's not allowed in a lot of countries. And yet he is the person 
who has not been identified behind the scene of uh, treason in the United States. And our articles to the president and will continue that we want George Sawyer's um, naturalization paperwork be removed. We want him shipped out of this country, and we want all of his assets frozen in the United States. When we do that, we correct all the other problems. Well, and then, uh, I mean, that's what, you know, there's some Democrats who are touting, oh, what, what he said over in the summer was treason. And before I bring Kelly in, I want to ask your, your point on that. I mean, I, I know you disagree. I mean, as I said, uh, Joseph, I mean, I think he, he put his foot in it, <laughs> you know what I mean, uh, on the, some of the comments that he made during that summit. And I think he could have, you know, he, I, I, say, I, 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 think, I think instead of saying things in stronger terms, I think he should have just said some things at all. But, I mean, you, you wouldn't count up that as being treasonous, would you? No, I think he should have stated it this way. Until such time that there is proof that you are guilty, you are not guilty. And at this point in time, the president of Russia has not been proven as a collaborator of election fraud in the United States. And therefore, we are asking that the president of Russia and the United States form a greater bond of allies in order to work together. Now, this contradicts what he did in Germany. In Germany, he said, I want Russia not to be part of the multi-million dollars of the oil and pipelines. And I believe that the chancellor of Germany is totally out of place paying multi-billions of dollars to Russia and building up their staying. Now, he did this Days before going to Russia, he spoke harshly about the direction Russia was going. If you're going to go into a summit and you're talking to somebody, how are you going to have an intelligent summit when you go in there and say, you know, President uh, Putin, you're actually a gangster, and I don't know why I'm here today. And even though I don't right. have any facts to prove you did anything, I'm not going to sit down with you in a conference. Instead, he said... And if you look at the terminology, there is nothing to prove that Putin did anything wrong or Russia did. So five people of a multi-million dollar country committed fraud, but you're not going to come back to the United States to your own political parties that have committed fraud or the FBI or, or the Clintons, and yet you're going to misdirect the entire thing just based on a comment. And if you summarize the comment that Trump made, you summarize it one way. There is no proof that Putin did it, so therefore we need to shut up. And, and, and back to you, Joseph, then we're going to bring in Kelly. Uh, you know, I mean, and I know you disagree with how, how Trump did it. I mean, as I said, I mean, I do think he stepped in, and I think he shouldn't have even brought, much, brought that up at all, really. I'm sure there's a lot of questions, you know, from the press conference, and I'll be honest, I didn't hear, a lot, you know, all the questions. But, I mean, they're, they're, you know, they're putting on the lines of treason. I, I would say that you're not putting it on par with that, would you not? Are you not? You're asking Joseph now, right? Yeah, Joseph. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sorry, Robert. I wasn't sure if you were asking me. My apologies. No, uh, no, that's okay. That's all right. It's okay. Yeah. No, no. I, 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 I agree with you wholeheartedly. I'd be the first one to say that, you know, when they start talking about treason and they start talking about impeachment, of, of course, that's, that's, that's lunacy. But at the same time, the court of public opinion is very important. 
And yeah, that's no, where yeah, yeah. unfortunate, but yeah. Exactly. Because perception is reality, and you know, I, I I campaign. I love what I'm doing campaigning, but the court of public opinion is so important, and especially in blue states where Republicans or moderates are trying to compete. At the end of the day, this is all to control the Senate and the House, because I guarantee you, if the Senate and the House goes back into the control of the Dems, I guarantee you, Trump will be a one-term president, and if you think there is chaos, if, if even that, Bill, to be honest, exactly. I mean, if and even if that, chaos, I mean, they'll try to impeach him. They will. They will. And 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 not only that, if you think it's chaotic right now, and Trump is not able to get much done or as much as he would like to, imagine he'll 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 probably be pretty much stopped from everything of what he wants oh, to yeah. do for his next list on his agenda. Exactly. So he'll be more like a lame duck president. So no, Dr. Tolberg, you're, you're absolutely valid. But the one thing that you have not factored in is the court of public opinion, because that's what people go by. And unfortunately, Robert and I have said this for years. I've been on Robert's show. 90% of America, sadly, but true, are dumbed down. of the electorate are not informed politically. They have no clue to their left and their right. And that's why they continue to elect and put in power these politicians who don't know their left from their right, and that's why they're able to hold on to power. And they're so gullible, and they're extremely naive, and they're easily coachable. And that's the sad part, you know? It's so easy to deceive them on the campaign trail because most of the electorate have not woken up from their dogmatic slumber. They're asleep. And that's why we find ourselves in the predicament that we are in today, is because we, the people, are electing people like John McCain, Mitch McConnell. Uh, the Democrats continue to keep Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer in power. Oh, I know. <laughs> to them, reality and fact is what you tell them. And if it resonates, to them that's a fact. And 90% yeah. of the electorate, they're not going to go research. They're not going to go study to find the truth. You tell them what you want to hear, they're not going to turn the other cheek. And that is the fundamental problem. So with 90% of the electorate being that naive and gullible, the court of public opinion plays a major factor. Now, Let me just add a, qu- a thing to that, uh, Joseph, because sure. there are 52 to 100 people that are uh, running – for office or who have uh, talk shows who or have uh, things on my Facebook, uh, there's news things. If when I post an article about the falsification of everything you that the public did, they agree with me. They don't go against Trump. They actually say that the news media is deceiving and the three to four percent of the population that's being heard are not the 97% that agree that this entire thing is going in the wrong direction. When you hear one person speak bad about the president, they become newsworthy. I go from five or six hits, 100 hits a day, to three to 10,000 hits a day when I approach this issue on the president, and they're all saying, I agree that the president is being undermined by communists, that he should be reelected, 
and in fact that these Democrats need to be removed from office. So I have a totally different viewpoint of what you're hearing. Exactly. And and, and I can respect that. I, I completely respect that, Dr. Tolberg. But I can only speak to what I hear through voter engagement when I'm on the campaign trail. That's the only thing I can speak to in all honesty. And I can speak to the different states I've campaigned, New York, I've campaigned in, in, in Texas, I've campaigned in Colorado, I've campaigned in Arizona, I've campaigned in California. I can only go by my experience. And I know that voter engagement and the public accord of uh, public opinion is, is, is so vital. Now, it would be disingenuous of me to say what happens in, in, for example, Missouri, if I've never campaigned in Missouri, because each state is different and unique in its own way and has a different culture and, and different uh, mentality and, and issues are, are very different. Uh, they differ from state to state. All I can say is, in, in my experience, uh, the court of public opinion in the places that I'm, I'm even currently campaigning right now, you have... Uh, you know, moderate Democrats in red states that are tweaking their uh, narrative just to just to win re-election, to seem more conservative in power in a red state. And then you have uh, Republican moderates in deep blue states that, although they may not truly believe it, they have to distance themselves from Trump. They have to try to not associate themselves with Trump as much as they can. They have to try to do that because that's the court of public opinion. These are the people who are controlling the ballot boxes, and that's what they have to do to, uh, you know, win re-election or to win power. And that's just the reality of the matter. Uh, and we're talking about, you know, some of one of the biggest states, you know, New York, California. I'm not talking about small towns here. So if I understand so, you correctly, that you need to lie and give false information in order to manipulate the population in order to win the election, and then after you're in and win the office, then you can switch back to your political view as a Democrat or Republican, and that is one of the issues we're having today, our politicians are not being honest, and they're doing exactly what you just stated. They're given no. false information. They're, they're lying. No, I, I will disagree because they're not lying. It's a strategy if they choose to distance themselves from Trump. You see, they're not saying anything negative about Trump, uh, especially moderate Demo uh, Republicans. They know better not to do that. So it's a strategy. They're not saying anything negative about Trump. But neither are they saying anything positive about Trump. They're remaining neutral. It's a strategy of what they have to do to hold on to power. And at the end of the day, Dr. Tolberg, it comes down to the lesser of the two evils. If it takes lying and manipulation for the Republicans to hold on to the Senate and the House, well, then so be it, because we'll be 10 times worse off if lying and manipulation allows the Democrats to take over. So... Politics has always been a dirty thing, Dr. Tolberg, since the beginning of any civilization. It's always going to be a dirty thing. I don't condone it, but the reality is it's never going to change. And the reality no. is the lesser of the two evils. Who would you rather live with? Both parties no, are no, going to lie. I, and I, under, I understand exactly because I did run for the president in 212 and the governor in 214. I have ran for the Senate twice 
to include this year. And I do know that there are many Democrats right now putting on a false uh, front in order to change. And I do know that Republicans are putting on a false front. And I think that's the problem. I'm a no party affiliated. I'm totally against the way the Democrats and the Republicans are running. And I want to convince the president of the United States to be the second president to ever run as a no party affiliated when his time is up. I think that the manipulation of the entire Constitution, the falsehood of the Constitution, having said that, Robert Kelly's still on hold. Okay, and let's go ahead. We've got plenty of time, you know, so we could definitely revisit that uh, if we want to. Uh, So, you know, certainly it was definitely a a lively discussion. Let's go ahead and bring in uh, Kelly in. We're at the bottom of the hour. He has some uh, updates as well we want to uh, spend some time with on what uh, Watch the Vote's doing. Uh, Let's go ahead and welcome, uh, speaking of voting, um, and I I do want to make some comments on both your, what you guys were discussing, but I do want to get uh, Kelly in here. Uh, so welcome, Kelly, for the show. How are you tonight? Good. Hey, you know what they say in Cook County, Illinois, vote early, vote often. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, let's see. There was a pre. Uh, let's see. Isla, Isla, um, Isla. Now what's it called? Isla Vista. All right, uh, Santa Barbara. They had 124% voter turnout in the primaries in California. <laughs> And that's just that's amazing. Those people finally greatly care for our republic. Wait, 124%. All right. So there's all sorts of problems. We're seeing it in the news. Oh, my gosh. 12 Russians indicted for whatever they were doing. Um, who what? are they? You notice that, uh, do they even name who these people are? <laughs> well, I'm sure it's probably some... Vladimir, because in America, John is such a common name, and, you know, Vladimir might be uh, a common name there. I didn't mean Putin, because, well, that's a whole sticky situation politically. But one of the most stunning things, and I think I've said this a few times, um, why is it that we're only focusing on the Russians? Like, come on. You know, how many times have I said this is like the Brady Bunch? Russia, 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 Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Okay. Look, when any crime happens, okay, say a, a friend gets murdered, okay, you start learning about the whole investigation process. What do they do? They take a list of 10, 15 suspects. That's what they start with, and sometimes people call in. I've done that once when somebody was murdered. You know, this person, these two people look suspicious to me. Okay, so you got a list, right? Then you start process of elimination. Okay, Bob didn't do it. John didn't do it. Vladimir, he probably didn't do it. Okay, I'm talking murder. But okay, so we go down the list, process of elimination. Finally, one person goes to trial. Why are we stuck on Russia? Why are we stuck on Russia? This is insane. So then we go into uh, something I just saw on Fox News. Um, Somebody from, I think it was the Secretary of State's office, came out and said, look, there are a number of countries that have been uh, committing cyber attacks on us every day. China, Iran, et cetera, et cetera, named a few more countries, and he included Russia. Yes, that's a proper procedure. Okay. So I'm just like, ah! I've said this so many times. Finally, somebody from the executive branch uh, is saying, uh, there's a whole list of suspects here. Yes, there's 12 Russians, but we need to go after a bunch more different people from a whole bunch of different countries. And it makes the obvious sense that a lot of other countries have something to gain if they can electronically 
mess with our elections. Okay. Now, yesterday morning, 5 a.m., came out. There's a uh, cyber news, if you will. It's called Motherboard. They came out and they and uh, they reported what Senator Wyden from Oregon, a Democrat. I think he's a good guy for what he's doing. Senator Wyden has been interviewing ESNS. Who is ESNS? They produce 60% of the vote counting machines in the country. Their competitors are Dominion and um, Heart Civic. Okay, those are the two main competitors. And Senator Wyden has like subpoena power and serious power. And ESNS has admitted to him that, yes, we put PC anywhere in these old election machines. What's well, PC anywhere? You can actually control somebody's computer from your computer, be it one mile away or a thousand miles away. I've actually had this happen where I was installing some high-tech structural engineering software, and I couldn't – something was wrong with my computer. I called up uh, Boise Cascade up in Washington, and some guy I'm, you know, on the phone, I'm watching him run my computer, move – my mouse pointer up, click, click, click. I'm watching the whole thing. PC anywhere. ESNS admitted it. Yeah, we installed those in vote counting machines. Well, our competitors did it too. Like, okay, so. Oh, but they claim, oh, but we only made it one way so we could fix things in case there's election problems. Mm. Really? You were paid millions and millions of dollars. I've seen the contracts, and you didn't get it right the first time that you had to put – PC anywhere into the computers? Oh, and then they kind of admitted, too, they put uh, wireless modems in the machine. Well, they didn't quite admit that, but it obviously hints it because if you don't – John Brakey has found this, and other people have found wireless modems, Wi-Fi units, and um, there's um, – Stingray is another system used mostly by government – in these old counting machines, it only takes the, you know, if you've got a uh, hundred or a thousand precincts, um, all it takes is one wireless in one machine because the removable memory card, which I saw physically being removed in the primary as a vote watcher, a poll observer, they physically remove it from the machine and they put it into the central tabulator. So from Wi-Fi to that precincts machine into the removable memory into the central tabulator, and the entire county can be changed. So Mr. Wyden, congratulations to him. And I've got the article. I don't want to go into it too long, but there are some really good points. Um, they even ESNS said years ago, oh, no, we've never done anything like that. None of our employees have done anything like that. And now they say, yeah, we did put uh, PC anywhere. <clears throat> um, Let's see, here's a, custom, here's a statement. ESNS customers who had PC Anywhere installed also had on their had modems on their electronic management systems to ESNS so the technicians could dial into the systems and use the software to troubleshoot thereby creating a potential port of entry for hackers as well. Um, sure. So they can also view data files. Oh, we're just going to – we don't like this candidate. Let's go to candidate B and shift some votes over there. Um, Wyden told Motherboard News that installing remote access software and modems on election equipment is the worst decision for security, shorty of leaving ballot boxes on a Moscow street corner. He could have said <laughs> in China. He could have said in <laughs> – <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
oh yes, I mean he gets it. This is awesome. And so when uh, motherboard starts talking to ESNS, ESNS, now we're gonna I'm not gonna answer your questions. Motherboard news went to the um, Dominion and Heart Civic, no response. And then what happens? Well, congressional subpoenas are coming from the what commission is it here that's investigating this? I'll turn the page here. Um, it's called a Senate Committee on Rules and Administration. They started wanting, hey, why don't you guys get in here with ESNS? And they're just not showing up yet. Hmm. Wonder if they have something to hide. Oh, but everybody's doing it. Um, okay. Douglas Jones, he's a professor of computer science at the University of Iowa and a longtime expert on vote, voting machines, confirmed that other companies did routinely install remote access software during this period. If you have remote access software, don't you have to go out into the Internet? Yes. Unbelievable, the port of entries <clears throat> we have here. Unbelievable. <clears throat> and so when I say, look, it could be the Chinese. Oh, that's right. Um, somebody from the White House just said, yeah, Iran, we get these hack attempts daily. China, daily. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Other countries. So we're still focused on Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. I'm seeing Russia, Russia, Russia. Um, I did that deliberately. So it, it's just mind blowing. Um, so ESNS, yeah, here's a statement. ESNS declined to send anyone to answer Senate questions. Gee, could they have committed a crime that so many people could go to jail? Yes. Um, all right, so. Um, We've been saying this for quite a while, and uh, John Brakey found it. Other people have found these. I mean, why don't we just have, why don't we just have a, a mechanical? You remember the old mechanical flip the lever vote thing? You go into a booth, you flip the mm-hmm. lever. Well, no, I don't remember that. <laughs> well, okay. So Dr. Tolbert probably does. All right. So you flip a lever. You know, it's nice. And then you, from those flipping levers, you have the, the hanging chairs in Florida. You know, the no, I do remember the hanging Chad. I miss Chad. He <laughs> met Chad. <laughs> All right, so there were mechanical devices that don't didn't fully cut. You know, so it, the mechanical count. You know, like a clicker, like when you go golfing, the little clicker. This guy, that guy. Okay. Well, having a a portal open to hacking, it's like you might as well put somebody. Back behind the mechanical machine, because you've got candidate Bob versus candidate Susie. The voter says, Bob, the guy <laughs> behind the machine goes, oh, Susie, and overrides his vote every time. Susie, you might as well just have a person physically there messing with the mechanical vote. I mean, this is a joke. Anyway, all right, so that came out. and uh, Watch the vote. We've been working on a couple of things. I'm going to talk about an executive order that we're sending to Trump very soon. Taking an enormous amount of work. Um, there is a solution to expose electronic election machines. That's by grabbing the hand um, electronic ballot images. The vote counting machines don't count the ballots directly. They count a scanned image of the ballot. It's a digital ballot image. It's married to the paper ballot. Well, the scanner has a memory. Oh, gee, there you go. There's a digital ballot image. You can do a records request. Here's my USB thumb drive. All sorts of gigabytes. I want I want uh, my precinct and maybe a few others. Do a 10% recount. They're not giving these digital ballot images to 
the public. The county clerks end up uh, hiring an attorney at taxpayer expense to defend their right to not only delete these images but not give them to the public. It's an easy way to do a recount in a few precincts, but they're not allowing – I mean they're fighting. They're fighting in court. Why? These are public records. Why are they fighting? Why are they fighting? Humboldt County, some good guys. Um, they got a. They spent twenty-two thousand on a high-speed digital scanner, and they work with a, a, a election clerk. They put it in the office, and when they do the votes, they also hand the ballots over to the group people. Again, the machines in the county clerk's office, and they scan them all. They produce a DVD that you can. Uh, it, it's for sale right there at the counter. You can count. You can recount. On your home computer, Humboldt County, they're doing this. They're making it publicly available. Just just pay $19.99 for the DVD. All right. Anyway, <laughs> so this is what they've done, and no problem. Hey, yeah, let's let the – there's no names on the belt. What's the problem? There's no problem. So, you know, they even had clearance from the Secretary of State of California to do this. Great. Guess what? Bernie Sanders – Creamed Hillary in the 2016 primary by a 30 points, but like 62 to 32. It's ridiculous because they can't cheat there. So anyway, um, so the digital ballot images, when we watch the vote, we'll put some things on our website. You can go to the county clerk. Here's a record request. We want the digital ballot images because we want to take them home and count them on our own computer. Again, 10%. You get a good statistical representation. About a 90% confidence level. All right, so I've explained somewhat what we're explaining to Trump, and I want to run through about eight points of this executive order because, again, what they do is they delete the digital ballot images in the scanner. If you want to cheat, you must delete. W. Watchman Schultz in Florida. There's cases going on Arizona, Texas, Florida, Ohio. And by the way, Houston, the, governor, the Secretary of State of Ohio, did a good thing, even though the case got thrown out for, I guess, bad lawyering, um, technicalities. The Secretary of State said, yeah, you keep these digital valid images. It just happens to be Ohio law and federal law. All records – this is federal law. 52 U.S.C. 20701 requires that all digital ballot images must be preserved for 22 months after an election. 52 U.S.C. 20701. All records. All records. Oh, we're just going to go ahead and delete the digital ballot images. No, you're not. You're committing a crime. We have this thing called Federal uh, Freedom of Information Act, FOIA request, records request, and there's state record request too. Hey, we want the ballots. Why are they even fighting? They are fighting all over the country because, well, people are getting caught now with their pants down. Either that or they're going to need a fresh change of underwear and they need to keep their pants up. Um <laughs> All right, so here's the order that we're uh, putting together. If we're sending it to the White House, and if Trump signs it, this would be this would be so redemptive of him and in the and Joseph Hello in the court of public opinion, Trump could be a hero. All right, and by the way, if people learn this technique and they grab the ballot images, and people are doing a recount of the 2016 general election, they could find out that yeah, Hillary was the one cheating. Unbelievable what could happen here. All right, so number one, all county election clerks, their employees, and any designees shall not delete digital images of any scanned ballots or any other election records until 22 months after the related election. Again, 20, 
52 U.S.C. 207.01. Two, all federal records requests shall be honored for the public to obtain a digital copy of the digital ballot images for private recount. Three, the U.S. Attorney General and the FBI, FBI are hereby directed to investigate and prosecute any county election employee or official that deletes any digital ballot images or destroys any election records or withholds these digital records from the public. Those three alone would create tremendous transparency. Four, the Attorney General is hereby directed to join in lawsuits supporting digital ballot image preservation and to stop any other election record destruction. In other words, these battles, these court cases, the Attorney General starts suing these states and these county clerks. Look, these are federal elections. You need to just stop the leaning, and it's the right of the public to have these, these records. Join the lawsuit, and it'll stop the games they're playing in court. Number five, all election systems authorized for use in federal elections must have the image making and preservation of images functions turned on. If equipped, so digital ballot images are made, preserved, and not destroyed for all forthcoming federal elections. On these election machines, the vote counting machines, there's an option. Would you like to preserve the record? Just no. They can say no. So it wasn't ES&S that deleted the records. It was the it was the county clerk or an employee. <laughs> Unbelievable. They put these options in there so people can, can commit federal crimes. All right, number six. If the digital bell images and all other election records or evidence are not preserved, then future federal election funding shall be forfeited for two years. In other words, you can be a criminal. You're not getting federal funds. And these election machines are breaking down. They're wearing out. And some of these are on older versions of Windows that are also easily hackable. All right. Number seven, uh, as this order is carried out by the executive branch, I am encouraging Americans to get involved in producing honest elections by obtaining digital ballot images and performing private recounts. Should there be any resistance by county or state officials in obtaining said digital ballot images, I am encouraging Americans to immediately contact the FBI and their state attorney general. Um, Anyway, the last number nine has to do with specifications that would produce uh, a, a mandate of photographic digital ballot images for access to the public. And so that's what we are proposing. Uh, we hope Mr. Trump would go ahead and do this. It's perfect timing for sending this to him, and we're about 99.9% .9 done. So I just want to get people's thoughts on this. Yeah, let's go ahead and do that. We'll start. Um, I mean, I mean, obviously, it's a it's a great idea getting it. You know, getting in front of them. You know, maybe the most difficult part uh, is that you know we've seen in the past, but it's not impossible. Because uh, I remember, you know, back when uh, Jim Conant was trying to uh, get some things uh, to Trump, but I think I think he was able to get a letter to Trump through uh, Rand Paul, which we're going to hear. Not from him personally. I wish it'd be pretty great, uh, but an, an audio clip on his take of uh, you know the Russia summit meeting. Whatever people, and I went. I don't know if I I called it in the thing a summit. Other people, I don't know if we could quite call it a summit. Um, but we'll hear we'll hear that that audio. But first, let's go ahead and get your thoughts. And I think especially from uh, the two gentlemen we also have on the line. We. You push one on your number dial uh, for the other folks who like to chime in. 
because, um, I mean, you guys either were candidates in a campaign or, uh, you know, do a lot of campaigning. So let's go ahead and start with yourself, Joseph, and, and then you, Dr. Tolbert, uh, your thoughts on that, on that proposal. Uh, no, I mean, you know, I, I concur with what Kelly has to say, and I completely concur with what uh, Dr. Tolberg has to say. Um, Kelly, quite frankly, I am sick and tired of hearing about Russia. So sick that just the word alone just nauseates me. It's like an obsession. It's a fetish. But unfortunately, every time the subject is brought up, it always becomes a campaign issue that I am forced to jump into, even though I don't want to, which is kind of the the cons of campaigning. And no, I mean, I, I, I agree. Um, and I've, I've, I've said this many times on Robert's show, uh, the Democrats can take back the House and the Senate on a referendum on Trump and Russia, but they can't take the White House in 2020. They're going to need a lot more than that, um, a lot more than that. They're going to need substance. They're going to need a new message. They're going to need a new face of the party. They're going to have to pretty much do a, a Jimmy Carter, which is, uh, you know, back in the 1970s, the Democrats uh, decided to sweep their entire history under the rug. Remember, the Democrats were the party for segregation. They were the party who uh, seceded from the union. Uh, they were the party who were against the Civil Rights Act. Um, you know, they were the party who... Um, decided to initiate the Vietnam War. And uh, then when it wasn't convenient anymore, and, and this goes to Dr. Tolbert's point, um, that is really what politics is all about. It is lying and deceiving and distorting. And believe me, I take no pleasure in, in, in being involved in that type of environment, believe me. But it's a lot better to do something than just stand in the sidelines. And, I mean, I've been for a third party for the longest time. Robert can attest to that. But the challenge is for a third party to be viable, the electoral college system would have to be changed. And I, I don't think that that's going to be realistic for the Democrats and the Republicans who are holding power. And I don't think they're going to just let that slide by. I completely agree with you, Dr. Tolberg. I am sick and disgusted by both parties. And both parties are the reason why our country is absolutely going and continuing to go down on the, the slippery slope. And it's because we don't have a third party, a viable third party option uh, that's on the ballots in all 50 states. So basically we are subjected to a two-party system that, in my opinion, they're rubbish. Uh, they're corrupt. Uh, it's just a matter of subject to interpretation of which are, which are, which of them are the lesser of the two evils, and to each individual that will differ uh, depending on what their ideology is. But at the end of the day, um, yes, I, I hope that I, I, in my lifetime, I hope before I take my last uh, gasp of air, I hope I can live to see the day of a third party emerging. Dr. Tolbert, well, well, welcome to. Uh... Uh, Joseph, welcome to the Libertarian Party. I'm a Libertarian. Awesome. And and actually, Kelly, if I had to choose a party that was well organized as a third party, I think the Libertarian Party would have the best chances of forming a third viable party. It's because out of all the other third party options, they are the most viable, the most organized. 
um, and they have achieved a lot of degrees of successes. And being able to get on a lot of state ballots, especially in presidential elections. So if I had to choose a party that you didn't have to start from scratch, so you could kind of avoid a a 30-year process of what it took the GOP to emerge as a party and oust the Whigs, uh, I'd go with the Libertarian Party on any given day. Um, you know, but 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 Kelly, what is your thought on that? And Dr. Tolberg, I'd also like to know what your thought on that is. What about the electoral college system? wouldn't that have to be completely reformed to enable a third party to be viable and to be on all 50 ballots? And do you think, uh, you know, politicians who are clinging on to power for over 30, 40 years, rank and file establishment candidates on both sides, such as Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, Mitch McConnell, um, John McCain, do you think that they're ever going to let go of that power to even allow a third party to be viable because in my opinion they don't want that to happen because if they know that happens then they know that their days of power are numbered being that the american people would have a third viable option because so many people at this point are really disgusted with both parties and really what i'm encountering voter engagement of is just a matter of subjugation i've talked to some people who believe that the left out of the two is the lesser of two evils. And then I talk with other people who would say the right is the lesser of the two evils. And so that's really what it comes down to, in, in my opinion. And I wanted to know what the thoughts would be of, uh, if for a third party to be viable. Do you think that those uh, people in power are going to allow that to even happen? Dr. Tolbert? Yeah, I'm... Kelly, I agree with what you're doing, and, you know, we get back into the fact that the computers are under George Sawyer's and the majority of the states and Romney, the manufacturing companies that the Venezuelan uh, organization that's owned by Romney is the same organization that the so-called President Maduro in Venezuela illegally gets elected, troll of the computers by India and the cooperation under Sawyer's and the manipulation. Uh, the problem with changing and setting up even a uh, image uh, retention, and we know the fact that they have broken that law throughout the place, is really being created by the manufacturers of, of this we just sent an article uh, covering what Joseph covered. And what people don't understand is they really don't understand the uh, misinterpret or they're misinterpreting what an electoral college in itself is. Uh, under the, and I'm not going to try to read this to everybody, it's on the web. They need to read Article 2, Section 1. Uh, they need to read the 12th Amendment. Uh, they need to read the 4th Amendment, Section 3 the 15th Amendment, Section 1, the 19th Amendment, the 20th Amendment, Section 1, 2, 3, 4. They need to read the 22nd Amendment, the 23rd Amendment, the 24th Amendment, and the 25th Amendment, Sections 1, 2, 3, and 4. And when they get done, and then the 26th Amendment, when they get done reading what I just stated, this is about the Electoral College. Does anybody realize that all the things I just read to you is actually in the Constitution? Did you know that 
for you to be an elector, you're supposed to be voted in. And yet you don't vote them in. When the Constitution Party wanted to get on the ballot, they couldn't get on the ballot. They were short 15 electors. What did they do? They came to me. I was a no-party person. What did I do? I got 15 of my people to switch to the Constitution Party, and we put them on the ballot for the President of the United States in the state of Florida because we wanted another political party. When the Prohibition Party in Georgia wanted to get involved in the state of Florida, and they wanted me then to work, and they were going to put us under Citizens for America, which we submitted to Constitution uh, requirements needed to be a political party. And the state of Florida fought against our lawyers, and they fought against us and made us rewrite it five times so that we could not have a prohibition party president. I was going to run as the prohibition party senator, and they were going to run as the prohibition party uh, president, and we couldn't do it, so we then got behind the Constitution Party just to prove a fact that we can put people on the ballot without spending money. We also came to the determination to be on the ballot in the 50 states. You actually would have to spend in the neighborhood of $500 million, and That's then crazy. you would still lose based on computer malfunctions. Go ahead, Kelly. Well, I said that's well, crazy. Uh, that was me in the background saying. <laughs> oh, I'm uh, sorry. I thought it was Kelly saying, well, okay, now talk. The Electoral College is, is interesting because when it's a presidential race, well, that's the only one that has the Electoral College. What happens is the losing side always questions the Electoral College. I'm sorry. It's so funny. It's so predictable. You know, if next time in, in uh, 20, a Democratic president wins – the Republicans are screaming, going to scream, let's get rid of Electoral College. And the Democrats are going to say, no, we like it. <laughs> it's just yeah. so funny. We would have to do a constitutional amendment, which isn't going to happen unless a miracle um, occurs. But so it's, you know, it's just, I'm just blowing that off. I mean, people, oh, we've got to change the look. Okay, whatever. When your guy wins and the opposition wants to do that, you're going to shut him down and you're going to be a double speak here. <clears throat> but with the election system, I know I was quite angry, uh, a, l- a little bit angry in my tone. That uh, you know, I'm, or maybe it's passion, passion for justice. Because real simply, we got to have an honest election. And I'm not. Um, yes, there are some corrupt and crooked uh, election clerks, but some of them are completely misled. And in this report from Motherboard, they basically were saying that. These election clerks have no idea what they opted into uh, or what they're doing. They don't have the technical expertise. So I'm not mad at, at the honest, hardworking ones that have been misled. We have a wonderful clerk here in Siskiyou County, Colleen Setzer. I respect her. I trust her. So sit down and talk with me. Um, she let me in during the general election in 12 just to watch. And she'd explain the entire process. She's like, oh, look, somebody wants to learn. So I, you know. There we go. Let's she get her on the show, open. Kelly. <laughs> uh, she can't be until she retires at the end of the year. But oh, um, I gotcha. Yeah, so you know there are a lot of people. Yeah, some are in on it. Some are like, oh goodness. Um, after I get my fresh change of underwear, I'm going to have to talk to county council because I may have committed a crime without intention. 
some people commit crimes with intention. Uh, for example, the Debbie Washerman Schultz lawsuit to get the digital ballot images. The uh, it was in court and it was a struggle. Can we get? We just want these. We want these. We want these. Well, 22 months into the court case, the county clerk deleted the digital ballot images and said, "Look, federal law says I can do that. You were court ordered not to do that." Gee, she destroyed the evidence. That could have incriminated her. So it's it's a real tricky, and we have to be open when we approach county clerks about this because they might be very well and uh, full of integrity and and faithfulness and, and honesty. Um, but they're just, I mean, I, I in, in talking to county clerk here over and over, she just doesn't get it. She just doesn't get it. She works hard. She's honest. One day she kind of got it, and then the look on her face is a paradigm shift. You mean all I work for is basically nothing? Well, you know, there's mornings I wake up and what the what the what in the world am I doing even voting? It's that it's it's just, it's it's very concerning. So who knows? With an honest vote count exposing one party or both, we could have a flood into the Libertarian Party. The Libertarian Party emerges out of nowhere because oh, that's right, the elections would be honest. So and and they got to keep uh, Gary Johnson, a Libertarian candidate, they got to keep him under fifteen percent. Because otherwise he gets federal funding. I mean, there's all sorts of trickery. Or, you know, just kick him out through a court edict. Just kick him out of some states. It was successful in Ohio when the Republicans sued the Libertarians. Um, it's interesting. The Democrats really don't bother the Libertarians because most Libertarians are basically previous Republicans. Yes, we got a lot of token uh, Democrats. And I was having one conversation at a state convention. This guy goes, I'm a recovering uh, Democrat. Oh, good to meet you. I'm a recovering Republican. Democrat. <laughs> so, you know, uh, it, see, it's I, interesting how it, it could all change. Well, with I was going to say, I mean, we, but we know that a lot of people's concern, especially on the right, is that, you know, you're, a lot of your libertarians and Constitution Party folks, you know, I mean, they're, they're going to draw a lot more people from the, the Republican Party than they would for the Democrat Party. Yeah, and then you know, see that's why the Democrats aren't so upset because it splits the vote during you know in a general election. And of course, there's the classic uh, Republicans blaming the Libertarians for losing a congressional seat. Well, you know, you guys, come on. You know why are they why are they disenfranchised? And by the way, there's a Dem exit right now. A whole bunch of Democrats are getting out because the uh, Democrats and high up are so hubris well, that they're. Well, real quick, since we're in the topic, I mean, I think before, I, I, I think before even having a preeminent uh, or a rising third party, I think we need to change the the voting system instead of you know first past the post like we have is you know have a again I've told this many times you know a you know, proportional. Um, preferential voting like they have in Ireland where you have multiple people, multiple parties, and you vote in court in according with your preference. And so you can vote for, you know, three different candidates, three different parties, but then you do it in your you vote it in your preference. So let's say people like, well, I think that would really help with people who are like, God, I really don't want to have a Democrat get in there. So what they might do is say, you know what, let you have, let's say you have, you know, let's just take the uh the two thousand twelve election, you know, you had uh Let's say Virgil Good, and you had uh, Romney, and then you know, you know, you had uh, Obama or whatever, and then, uh, or, or, or yeah, Obama, and then 
So you have uh, Clinton or whatever. No, Clinton is what I meant, not Obama. But then uh, it doesn't matter, Democrat. Uh, But anyway, so you could say, well, you know, I like Virgil Good better, but then I guess I'll vote for Romney second, and then I won't even give a vote to, you know, Obama because I don't want their Hillary Clinton or whoever. You know, I don't want even them to get a vote. And so you get enough people who vote, you know, preferentially and, uh, you know, and proportionally, then I think you have a better shot of changing that system first before getting a third party to arise. You know, I think first change the system, then get third party candidates uh, to become popular. Then you would have more of a chance than trying to do it, uh, you know, backwards or at least not backwards, but do it in that and uh, in that way. Well, there is a uh, called ranked choice voting, but you only get to vote for two. So who's your first choice and who's but your second here, choice? Here's the problem with well, everybody that. is saying under the 12th Amendment, guys, and the electors shall meet in their respective states. So here you have the 29 electors, but the 29 electors are not being chosen by the members of the state, which are the people. So we, the people, are not putting the electors in place. So we're right there violating the 12th Amendment. The second part of that is, if you read the 12th Amendment, it goes into the fact the president shall get the highest number of votes and he becomes the president. Well, guess what it says after that? And the vice president has to get the highest number of votes. It doesn't say they're supposed to both be on the same political ticket. It actually separates it. So the fact is then that the Congress has to count the electoral votes that are coming in order to determine who has the majority that won as the president and as the senator. So the entire electoral college as it's set up is not being followed by all 50 states and there's a total misinterpretation of the 12th Amendment. Well, there's... uh... Another point brought by uh, James Renwick Manship, I think he was on our show one time. He said that he, um, okay, you got to understand electoral college. How many electors in the electoral college is there? Well, one for each congressional district, and then two for the senators. California has 56 congressional districts. I believe it's 56, and so that makes 56 plus the two makes 58 electoral votes. Winner take all state. Who made that idea? However, if see, but in Northern California, we're very much red, and along quite a bit of the Sierras, that's east of Sacramento, pretty much along the Nevada border, um, we're very much uh, conservative. If instead of a winner take all, it would be a split. So say there's 58, there might be um, 20 and then 38, or it might be a, a 15, 43 kind of a split. That would be true representation because each congressional district is properly representative of the people's uh, wishes. And that's not happening. And some high power person, a lot of money needs to sue to make this straight. And even... Uh, was it you or was it James Manship that did this, uh, Dr. Tolbert? But I think he, one of you basically said there were a number of elections that it was based on true representation, electors per the congressional district, whatever that district decides. There's a number of presidents that would never have been president. It's a fascinating study um, instead of the winner-take-all state. 
But, you know, you go right back into the fact of the 27, not 29, in the state of Florida. And here you got the 25 electoral districts and the two senators. And yet, you know, they are not chosen that I can get my own 27 electors, as I did with the Constitutional Party, proving the entire Constitution being invalid, that I was able to put a political party on the ballot through getting and selecting 25 names, 27 names, and getting them to be on the ballot. How is that constitutionally correct that a Democrat, a Republican, a Libertarian, a Constitution, or any political party gets to choose the electors, and none of the citizens of the state choose the 27 electors in the state of Florida or the ones in California? How is that even constitutionally correct? Uh, you bring up a good question, but I see how corruption enters into either a, a city, a county, or state, whatever is. Well, that's just the way we do things around here. Well, the law says differently. Yeah, but that's just the way we do things around here. In, in redneck ways, well, that's just the way we do things around here. All right. Um, <laughs> and and, it, and I thank God for the courts because the courts entertain these things, and the courts typically – you know, I'd say 90% of the time, say, yeah, you know what, you're correct. And nobody's ever pointed this out to us before, so let's go ahead and correct this. And then they render their opinion, and things begin to change. So, you know, civil rights was quite stunning, you know, uh, Civil Rights Act, yeah, and then people had to sue. And then finally things got corrected, so all Americans are free. I mean, it, it's, it's frustrating the amount of money it takes to sue in an effort like this. Yeah, but, you know, here they go again. You know, they think that the uh, act of allowing the African-Americans to vote was actually, they set a penalty uh, on uh, you had to pay and own land. And so white Caucasians that did not own land were not allowed to vote. It was taxation. And so now you have the same issue of running for a political office and the right to vote. And now they're going in some states, they're going to give you a driver's license and they're going to give you a right to vote. And in the Constitution, it says you cannot vote in the federal election if you're a a territory or a possession. So they're going to let the Puerto Ricans have the right to vote. So everything going in our election today, rather than worrying about what's going on in Russia, is the failure of the United States uh, Congress and the executive branch and the Supreme Court enforcing the Constitution and the rights to vote of the people in the United States in a proper constitutional way. Yeah, interesting. Um, yeah, I, there's so many things I wish the I, I wish the Constitution was followed to to the core of what the intent was of the founding fathers. I mean, I wish it would be nice if some of our elected officials actually have read the constitution. Um, <laughs> I just, you know, the founding fathers really thought about this. Why would they think and develop such a beautiful document? Because they suffered such oppression and pain from King George and his soldiers. So, you know, at, Oh, we're such a wonderful society. We've evolved, and we'll never, we'll never have those problems. Oh, really? We already are. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, let's, let's go ahead real quick, gentlemen. Uh, she's been waiting for a while. Uh, let's get Susan in. Uh, so let's go ahead and bring in Susan. Thank you very much, Susan, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? 
Uh, don't ask. <laughs> okay. I, anyway, I restrained I, my question. I had a good what? Yeah, you said it. Okay, that's a good political theory. <laughs> um, no, I about all this nonsense. I I can't even keep up with it. It's like a soap opera. And all I know is Rand and Ron Paul are standing with Trump. Bravo for them, but some people have made the comment that's all they got standing with them. Well, that's a hell of a lot if you ask me. <laughs> but I'd be happy if they were standing with me. And uh, anyway, I went to a Baker, by the way, this uh, this this last week for a couple of days, you know, break. And uh, we went to the information center. I'll tell you what, that is amazing. You don't know what our pioneers, I mean, forget the movies. I mean, the statues they had there made of whatever material were so lifelike. You can't even believe what they went to, the mother crying at a grave of a, a baby. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing. It really touched me because they are the ones that took the Oregon Trail. That's, that's what that whole thing was, is the Oregon Trail. And one gal apparently left behind her aging mother, um, knew it, knowing she would never see her again. And they they didn't have the communications we have. Communications are bad in some ways, like we're talking about with the elections and everything else, the influences. And yet, if they'd have just had some kind of phone or anything to be able to talk to the ones they had to leave behind and would never see again, it it would have helped, I'm sure. So it's like you have your good points and your bad points on everything. And um, I went into the one place we had to go show a card and we signed up because we were seniors. (laughs) I don't want to even say that. We got in for free and uh, the museum, you know, the the information center and I got chatting with the guy and he's not a free Republican or a Democrat, but he hates their Democrat governor there in Oregon. You know, the one that caused so much trouble for Bundy's and Living and Boy and everybody. And um, I mentioned I'm from Idaho. He goes, we want Butch Otter. We love him. I go, oh, my God, you can ask him. We'll send him to you. So I'm going to call Otter up and tell him that. <laughs> I was say, Oregon wants you go, go, go. <laughs> uh, that was that was kind of amusing. And then the other day, uh, we had two Democrats come to our door, passing out little papers and things like that. And um, they actually were very nice, nice young people. And um, I mean, not all Democrats are, are are rotten. You know, they can be polite and nice. He actually, uh, and she agreed that they're not solid Democrats. They have voted for members from other parties, and he understood why I was that way, more independent. He put a thumbs up for me. And um, they they pointed to the one guy and said, I hope you at least support him. Uh, Mayor Beter, who is a Republican, I don't know how good a one, but he, he backs this guy. And uh, he had been uh, has been a fireman, led the fire thing, marshal-like thing for years and years. And he looks like he's pretty good. So I may be voting a Democrat on that particular thing, um, that particular 
issue, or not issue, but, you know, that election deal. Um, and I go libertarian, too. And sometimes I go with, uh, oh, Constitution Party. So, you know, I mine is never a solid thing, never solid at all. I, I mix and match them all around. So anyway, I had a lot of interesting little experiences. And, oh, yes, the last thing I did, <laughs> which Otto would love that, was, um, I can't, my mind is blank on the name of the town, but um, it's a little town there, not so far out of Boise, but uh, they have a, uh, that's the closest main pot place. And I said, I want to go in and see what it looks like. I even got it on my cell phone, you know, the, the sign. And I took a photo. And uh, interestingly enough, it's it says uh, 480-something Illville. Uh, it gives the phone number, Recreation Medical Marijuana. So and there was guys and gals in there buying, and I looked at the prices, especially of oils and CB, um, D oils and stuff like that. And um, it was really educational. They have a little door, and you go to that door, and they call your number, and they open it just enough to hand you the stuff. <laughs> and... Uh, I got a, you know, like I said, a little paper, you know, and a business card and all that. It was, it was very fascinating. And I turned around, there was young, one young man standing there, and they had a little sign at the counter that said, your mother uses marijuana face cream. <laughs> so they sell that too, yes. So I just looked at her and said, did you know your mother uses that? I was joking, you know, of course. And he goes, I wish. So apparently she doesn't approve of him going to that place. So, um, yeah, it's been an interesting week. So, anyway. Um, but whatever Trump does or doesn't do, I, I stand with the polls on him. You know, if they support him, uh, hey, good enough for me. So, that's it. That's all I got. Hey Robert, to uh, kind of close. Yeah, up go ahead, the, Kelly. Uh, and then I want. We've actually kind of gone I'm... long with the with the Trump thing. I do want to talk more about and this stuff that Joseph alluded to earlier uh, was uh, the display. We'll, we'll, we could give that in a few minutes, but what, what's that? But go ahead, Kelly. Yeah, I kind of want to close out this stuff, and I have a request of people. All right, so Texas. The federal courts approved voter ID, and of course the left fought that tooth and nail, and so now Texas will have voter ID, so that's pretty exciting. Um, but this executive order, we'll put on our website, watchavoteusa.com. We'll put it on our website. We hope people get it to their governors and their secretaries of state um, because it's it's can be used by governors and secretaries of states. Used it in, in this SO... S uh, of uh, Ohio says, "Yeah, preserve the digital ballot images. Thank you." So, um, well, he, you know, he's running. Houston's running for, people... running for uh, vice governor or lieutenant governor. Oh, in Ohio. Okay. Yeah. Well, he did a good thing. Yeah. Him, but... him and uh, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, he's running for lieutenant governor in Ohio right now. Oh, interesting. Well, he did a good thing. Um, so I'm going to ask people's help to get to their governors, write to their governors, their SOSs uh, down the road when, when we're ready to, to launch. So I just, you know, call for help. Call for, hey, folks, do what you can here. Uh, download, print, send it. So we'll have it up probably next week on the website. Yeah, definitely like to have yourself and Jim and, uh, you know, the other gentleman you were speaking of earlier uh, come on and give us, you know, give us more and, you know, more about that and perhaps, uh, you know, get information, again, as you said, out to the governors and, and things of that nature, Secretary of State, and, of course, you're still working on getting that to Trump. But I want to go back to, um, you know, our discuss, uh, discussion uh well, we didn't we didn't get back to it, but we're we're kind of halfway where we're supposed to be in there, but that's okay. Uh, for and I know this is it's it's been a little bit since the, the, the decision was made, but since I haven't been on the show for a couple of weeks, uh, you know, I want to get people's take on it. Uh, and we'll start with yourself, Joseph. Is uh, you saying like you were um, you know, really happy with uh, Trump's Scotus uh, uh, nomination? I mean, is there a particular thing that sticks out to you that you you really like? Um, like you know, like that pick or or anything anything in general or um actually there are quite a, a couple of things I, I, I do like about uh Kavanaugh. And um I I know that he's probably not the most conservative choice, but I think he uh comes across as more of a more how would I say, more of a moderate uh than anything. And mm-hmm. it makes it a lot here in the process to uh, get him nominated, and which actually um, counteracts the Democrats' claim that uh, you know uh, anarchy and the end of the world and and woman's right to choose is going to be all over if if Kavanaugh gets elected because uh, that's just lunacy. Um, there were there were other candidates that were extremely extremely conservative um, in comparison to uh, Kavanaugh. And would have been um, a, a liberal's worst nightmare. So, uh, you know, um, I do hear the conservative argument that, you know, when it came to certain rulings pertaining to the Affordable Care Act and the uh, individual mandate being a tax, um, things of that nature. So, in other words, what I really like about Kavanaugh is, yes, he has uh, voted on, 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 you know, uh, key issues and things of that nature, but he brings an equal balance. It's not one-sided. You know, he has voted for certain things that were in favor of liberals, but also certain things that were in favor of conservatives. And that really uh, kills the argument that the liberals are making that, you know, it's going to be the end of the uh, uh, liberty and the end of Roe versus Wade um, if he were to be elected. And um, so I like that balance, and I think that's what needs to happen right now. Um, we need to have that sort of balance in the Supreme Court. And sure, I think Trump was very wise in this pick. Could he have picked someone far more conservative and someone who would have definitely had a, an agenda of uh, definitively doing everything in their power to uh, reverse Roe versus Wade? Absolutely. But uh, I think when he chose Kavanaugh, he went with someone who would give an equal balance, and um, I, I think he wisely chose in doing so. Yeah, but as a conservative, how does that you know how does that move the needle? <laughs> I mean, it, it doesn't. I mean, 
I mean, really, I mean, we've had, you know, activist judges on for so long. Uh, it'd be nice to be able to move the pendulum uh, right instead of having it just kind of dangling there, no pun intended, at this point. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, don't we want the needle, you know, to to move more towards the right than than just keep things, you know, close to status quo? I agree. We, we, we sure do want that to be the case. But uh, it, in, in choosing Kavanaugh, he leans more conservative than anything. And if you look at his past and, and key um, court, court issues that were brought to his attention, he leans more conservative than anything. No, no, absolutely. But the question is, he's not a, a, a right wing. He's not, he's not radically to the right. So what I mean by bringing that balance is he brings more of a moderate, conservative approach in moving the needle um, to the Supreme Court justice. And I think that's what's needed because, you know, the liberals argue for socialism and communism. We know that the, the Democratic Party has gone so far to the left, you can't even see them anymore. But at the same time, you have certain factions within the Republican Party that want to do the opposite and go so far in the right. And I think that could, that, that could come back to bite them. But I think having someone like Kavanaugh, who is conservative in almost every aspect, way, shape, and form, is just the level of conservatism. He's more of a moderate, more of a centrist, someone who would you know, be more open-minded to um, compromise if need be. Um, Versus, if, if if you tend to be ideolo- if you turn to be an ideologue too far to either one side of the party or the other, it's it's kind of hard to uh, allow that person to even allow compromise into the conversation. And so Kavanaugh, he is conservative, but he's just moderate in in his conservatism. And and I know. For a lot of staunch conservatives who are far to the right, they don't—they're not—they're not, not going to like that. They're not going to be pleased with that. But for a moderate like myself, um, I'm very happy for that. And at the same time, moderates do tend to have an appeal when it comes to the independent vote. Moderates do tend to appeal more to independents than uh, extremists on both sides of the party. So I think Kavanaugh will move the needle maybe not radically in the direction of the right that some may want it to be seen, but I think you'll definitely move the needle for sure. Well, you know, as I said, I was, he certainly was, a, you know, my pick and, you know, there's still, I mean, even though he is considered and I agree, you know, my thing wasn't as much as, you know, him being more moderate is, you know, with, with Trump always touting how you want to drain the swamp, I, you know, and I really, you know, that's one of the things that really uh, caused me to support Trump. I, I just don't think he's. I don't. I just don't think he's really doing it. You know, by having someone like Kavanaugh. I mean, you know, I would, I would like to see him do someone who was more of an outsider. Um, you know, you know. I mean, they say, oh well, if you want to be a Supreme Court justice, you know, the the place to come from is you know the the D.C. court, you know, district court or what have you. Uh, but I, I certainly like to have seen somebody who was more of an outsider. Uh, be the pick. No, you make a valid point, Robert. Um, uh, I do hear you. Um, but I, I honestly do think that, you know, it's going to be more of a see it to believe it. And I, I definitely think that with this pick, 
uh, once everything is in play and he's successfully nominated. And I have faith and confidence that when major cases do come, uh, the pendulum is going to swing more to the right than more to the left. Maybe not as much to the right as, as some want, but I, I definitely think it will it will always uh, sway more to the right than to the left. So that gives me peace of mind in, in, in that regard. Um, uh, I mean, but I mean, do, do you agree with his uh, his opinion on you know Obamacare? I mean, some are saying that no. uh, you know the reason why no. he 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 did it you know was was because later on down the line, I guess if the conservatives wanted to do something, it could have bit him. But I don't know. Correct. No, I don't agree with that, and that's why I did bring up um, you know that there was certain hallmark cases pertaining to the Affordable Care Act. Uh, especially the individual mandate where actually he ruled in favor um, of what, what the Democratic Party wanted. And so, no, there, there, there are areas I do disagree with him on, uh, but there's also, uh, to me, I've, I've studied his whole history of, of being a judge, and more pros, in my opinion, outweigh the cons. And so, therefore, that's why I think he's a, he's a good choice, and I'm, and I'm happy with him. Um, I know others like yourself may not be, but trust me, if it was Hillary who would have won the election. And she oh, yeah, I've heard that argument. <laughs> yeah, forget it. So, I mean, this is day and light. She would have had an I activist who may not have ever been a judge on that now. <laughs> exactly, completely. And and so just like with George W. Bush, he, he did get to pick two Supreme Court uh, nominees during his presidency. Um, you know, uh, Trump being able to do this is is a major hallmark, uh, landmark, um, a hallmark victory for for conservatives. Uh, just maybe not as conservative as others, but I do believe when it comes time to uh, have cases presented before him, I, I do think he's going to carry out his duties and faithfully as a Supreme Court justice, and I think he's going to um, rule favorably, uh, regardless of, of what's before him. Well, now, now you mentioned a second one. Do you think that he'll have an opportunity of even uh, nominating a third? He's going to have um, an opportunity to nominate four. A fourth? Yeah, I definitely yeah, want to hear your, your, your thoughts term. on that, Doctor Tolbert. Get... Well, let, let the, me get. Uh, 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 I mean, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, in the next. Yeah, go ahead, term, uh, Joseph, and then Doctor Tolbert. No, no, no. Uh, Dr. Tolberg, I, I, I was, I was going to say yes, the third, and then he came out with the fourth. So I'm dying to hear about the, the fourth. Go ahead, Dr. Tolberg. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I'd be, I mean, I'd be something else, wouldn't it? Yeah, they've ahead, already been speculated on. Yeah, been speculated on his next term. There will be two more justices that will step down. And here's the problem with everybody's argument: they're talking about conservative and liberals when no one is talking about a Supreme Court justice following Article 3, Section 2 of the Constitution, that the only purpose of a Supreme Court justice is to present and look at the cases in law, equality arising under the Constitution and the laws of the states. The United States and everybody is getting into these arguments about he's conservative or he's liberal, but not, nobody said, oh, he knows the Constitution, 
He understands the Constitution. And when they looked at Obama, they determined that it was, the Obamacare was a uh, excise tax. And under an excise tax, it could not pass. And they attached Obamacare to a VI bill, a GI bill, or a veterans bill, and it got passed illegally. And that the Congress had the Supreme Court re-looking at it has now probably came to the conclusion that Obamacare was unconstitutional, just as was the setting up the IRS, the setting up of the Social Security. All these are constitutionally illegal. So when someone says, who do you want elected? I want Judge Mathis. I don't know if anybody knows who Judge Mathis is. He happens to be an African-American judge out of Chicago that's on television. And he would probably be more qualified than anyone we're talking about because not one thing has been said by people running for the Senate or for the uh, Supreme Court. And in fact, there is not even a uh, in the Constitution that you have to be a judge. And did anybody mention this guy was originally under the Clintons and that he was also under the Democrat Party? Or does anybody even care? Uh, of this guy's real past history that he used the Constitution. So if you're asking, is this guy qualified or not qualified based on he's going to lean one way or lean the other way, I think your real question has got to be, does he and will he argue and protect the Constitution? And that's where I stand on it. And the answer at this point, I have not seen one person that's being elected that has or appointed by the president uh, of, of understanding the Constitution. Kelly, would you like to chime in on that? Yeah. I mean, is that, I mean, I mean that's there's certainly a valid point. argument. It, well, it here's, is a um, Well, yeah, I mean, obviously that's the, uh, not only the job of the Supreme Court, it's also the job of the executive branch and Congress to enforce the Constitution, to stick to it, except there will be disputes to which the Supreme Court has a final say. And, of course, you know, it's easy to fall into uh, political things like pro-life or gay marriage or the social issues, these other social issues like health care. The highest responsibility that any government official has is to... Um, protect the liberties of a free people when we go into the matters of justice. One of my favorite justices was uh, William O. Douglas, 60s and early 70s. And uh, he understood liberties. He did. And, oh, wait, they called him liberal. But I think he did a good job in protecting liberties. Um, Robert Hill Jackson's another justice. Scalia obviously is high up on my list. Um, with Kavanaugh, he did give a nice spiel, a nice presentation with his wife. I, I saw it on the news. So you've got uh, him, his wife, his daughters, and you know he had a really good thing to say about his wife. Says, Look, I, without her, I wouldn't be where I'm at, where I am, because behind a good man is a good woman, or maybe on at his side. So he's got some good values there, and. Uh, other good things about him, oh, wait a minute, he worked for the Bush administration, doesn't mean he was bad. I just wonder, you know, was is he one of the skull and bones kind of dudes? I don't know. Now, Gorsuch, 
when he came out with Sessions versus DeMaya, I agreed with his opinion, and I thought it was stunning. And he went against a Trump appointee, which, of course, was Jeff Sessions. Now, that's interesting when you appoint somebody that opposes somebody else you appointed. Um, but he did care. Um, of course, he's cared about the liberties of the people. In that case, he said, look, let's not make laws that allow for arbitrary power, which could lead to tyranny, ruling. About Kavanaugh, I don't know. I haven't spent the time. I would love to hear uh, from an attorney, a constitutional attorney, um, and their review of his previous rulings. So Kavanaugh obviously has previous rulings. I did hear some uh, uh, reviews by, let's see, Jay Sekulow. He likes Kavanaugh from previous rulings. There was one ruling that disfavored the liberties of the people. Um, another person came out and, uh, again, an attorney reviewing the case laws that he'd written previous. Um, <clears throat> but I would really like to hear a really sound constitutional attorney that has reviewed Kavanaugh's writings in past case law or case rulings. That would give us a real definitive where he's at. Um, and he is, what is he, 54? So he could be in there for 40 years if he lives to be Yeah, I don't know if he'll be in there that long. 30 tops. I don't know about 40. <laughs> well, you, I mean, isn't yeah, there a lot of guys? Know. They're retiring. I mean, like Kennedy, I mean, he retired. I mean, he didn't pass away from off. I mean, from in there, he retired. We do have a Skype caller. Uh, we'll get you to the show uh, shortly. I'll be uh, bringing uh, Skype caller into the green room. So if you're out there and you lose audio, it's not because anything happened that's wrong. It just like, got you into the green room just so I can get your name uh, so I can get you into the call. Uh, go ahead, Kelly. Well, yeah, this last thoughts are um, <clears throat> I have never seen this before. Maybe, <clears throat> Dr. Tolbert, you can tell me if I'm wrong, but I, I have never seen this before where there's ads on television, on news channels, supporting the confirmation of Kavanaugh. I mean, it's just like a political ad. Call your congressman and support the nomination of Kavanaugh. I, I haven't seen this before. Have you? Well, at this point, he's got the largest percentage of being supported, so it's really going to be down to the final day. But it looks like he only needs four Democrats in order to be uh, put in position, and that looks like it's going to happen. Okay. Yeah, because it's confirmed by the Senate, uh, not the House, but by the Senate. Is that That's correct, right, right Dr. Tolbert? Yes. Yes, it's the yeah, Senate. Yeah, okay, so it's the Senate. Right. So it's a waste of time to call your uh, representative. It's the Senate. <clears throat> of course, if I call Diane Feinstein, she'll hang up on me. Um. <laughs> <laughs> and then, let's go ahead and uh, – we got Joe on the line. Let's go ahead and get uh, comments from Joe. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Joe, for coming to the show. <laughs> that rhymed. How are you tonight? How are you guys doing? Um, I have my doubts about anybody being a constitutional scholar, and that includes the the past and the present members of the of SCOTUS. For my criteria, you have to read the Federalist Papers, the Anti-Federalist Papers, read most, if not all, of the private writings of the founders, write comprehensively into peer-reviewed journals about what your opinions are, and then, after that, have a debate from people who oppose your opinions because anybody can say they're a constitutional scholar. 
but unless you actually, and this, and this goes for all fields, whether it's about law or it's about science, unless your particular views are opposed by other, um, by other members of your community, and you um, actually prevail, if your opinion prevails based upon logic, then you're an expert. Because I get tired of people who call themselves experts when they really don't know what they're talking about. They may know some of what their, um, their interests are, but unless you actually, again, are opposed by another viewpoint, and your viewpoint actually prevails based upon logic, then I don't think you're, you're a scholar, I don't think you're an expert. And I don't know if any of the people at, on, on the bench have passed that particular type of criteria. They have written, like, for example, um, Kavanaugh and Gorses, they've written hundreds of articles, and people have had differing opinions um, in the media, but have they actually had a worthwhile debate in which the real conclusion of one side versus the other side has come to light and has actually been exposed and revealed as the true, honest, logical conclusion. Because if we haven't had that, and again, in any particular field, then all we have are a bunch of people who may know a lot more about a particular subject than I do, but that doesn't make them an expert. So that's my opinion about that. Yeah. Hey, Robert. Yes, is Robert. It? We have Joe um, Joe Manchin. He told Schumer he could kiss his well, you know what? Because if he wanted to vote for um, Trump's choice, he would. And I guess he's going to. So he's a Democrat, you know. So he occasionally crosses the line and. Votes with the Republicans. I like um, him. I don't well, think he's greatest. Robert. Well, keep, of course, we're going to keep you on the line, Joe, but two things. One, yeah, go ahead, Dr. Tolbert. And then uh, I'm kind of interested in what a debate like that would look like. Uh, I, mean, uh, that, I mean, it sounds like a good idea. Um, but what would a debate like that look like? But we'll get that after Dr. Tolbert. Go ahead, Dr. Tolbert. Yeah, let me just bring up the fact I'm a doctor of education. I read the Constitution, and if there is a debate, it cannot be an opinion. A debate has to be this is the constitutional clarity. This is what the Constitution says. And if I'm going to run for a particular office, I need to tell you within the papers that I wrote that I made my decision based on an article in the Constitution. And this is the problem with the Supreme Court currently they're making decisions that are violating the articles of the Constitution. Therefore, they're not legally correct, nor can they be binding in a state that can prove that it is a violation of the Constitution under the sovereign states. And we get into this argument of does the state need to follow the Supreme Court when the Supreme Court, in fact, violated the Constitution. And we go back to the First Amendment violation when they used the 14th amendment and went in the supreme court could rule that marriage could be same sex when it violated the first amendment and there was no amendment there and the state of florida on their constitution said that marriage was one man and one woman i'm only using this as an example so under the 10th amendment the state had the right 
to determine who they were going to marry, yet the Supreme Court ruled over the state and violated the Tenth and the First Amendment. So the members of Congress cannot be an opinion. It must be constitutionally correct. And a debate when a person is elected to the Supreme Court must be where do you stand on this and where in the Constitution is it? And then you're no longer given an opinion. You're given the fact of the reality of backing and supporting the U.S. Constitution. And that by itself is an opinion. Because unless, um, no, because anybody can come up with any particular statement they want to, but every statement has to be founded upon logic and fact. Now, the Constitution was written by our forefathers. The opinion about that is that when you're following the Constitution, you're supposed to do what they intended. Those are the originalists. Then you have the ones who believe that the Constitution is a living document supposed to change according to the times. Now, who's to say they're wrong? In order to find out what the Constitution really means, because it's written by a people who have lived and died hundreds of years ago, you have to know what they said. Now, anybody who takes a look at the Constitution and wants to interpret it, that's still an interpretation. If it weren't an interpretation, you wouldn't have lopsided courts or you wouldn't have five to four decisions. And I, in particular, do not like the fact that people can actually say, I want to put a conservative on the court or I want to put a liberal on the court. Theoretically, you're supposed to have people who are uh, judges who are unbiased totally, in theory. They're supposed to start out with the same legal foundation as anybody else who's elected to the court. Now, once you're in the court, you can have debates all over the place. But I want to find somebody who's a constitutional scholar or, <laughs> or an Einsteinian scholar or a person who's a um, quantum physics scholar who follows my particular criteria. And my criteria, again, is anybody can have an opinion about anything, but unless that opinion has to, is opposed by somebody from the other side, and I mean a real debate, I'm not talking about these debates where you have somebody standing up for five minutes giving their opinion, then somebody else stands up for five minutes and gives their opinion, and then the audience, uh, then you grade their, um, whether or not they're valid based upon the audience changing. That's bull. Logic is logic. Well, and that, for me, I believe, brings to the question, does the liberal ideology or the conservative ideology, which one of those two, if either, uh, more co coincides with the Constitution? Of course. But what do... What does the Constitution truly mean? Now, some people can say, well, take a look at Article 1, Section 8, which is uh, supposedly um, the foundation for 90%, along with the, the Commerce Clause, for the decisions of the, of the legislators. Now, if you take a look at Article 1, Section 8, it means uh, the general welfare. That has been so open to interpretation, it's not even funny. General welfare is so vague, so ubiquitous, that the Democrat can come along, like um, Alan Combs, who believed everything was purposeful and everything was right because the general welfare clause was that ubiquitous. Then you can have somebody like his partner, Sean Hannity, who doesn't believe that the general welfare clause was intended to mean what it means today. All these opinions are up for another, for more opinions, more rounds of opinions. Forget the opinions. What did the forefathers really want? How do we know that they wanted this? You have to go back, read their papers, private and uh, public, 
because I'm sure you guys have heard about it. I think it was either Madison or Hamilton, one of them, or maybe even both of them, but I think it was Madison in particular, who believed that the Constitution, um, the General Welfare Clause, was a clause that actually had no effect on, um, or should have had no effect on the future of America. And um, But in private, because I think he was the one who said that the after the Article 1, Section 8, the, the enumeration of powers was implied very strongly and therefore should be followed. But, again, I forget if it was Madison or Hamilton, in private letters said that the General Welfare Clause was so vague it was going to cause a lot of damage. So, again, there were political factions in the founding of and the creation of the Constitution. It took two years to get it done. And then after that, the Bill of Rights was then ratified, uh, was then included. And it had to be included as part of a bargain that if the Bill of Rights was not included, the, rat the uh, ratification of the Constitution was going to be delayed even more. So we have a lot of political history that we have to go back and see, too. So in order to clear it up, have an opinion, but if that opinion does not um, pass the litmus test of fact, which would, should be given by the opposing side, which has an incentive to <laughs> to make you wrong, then all you got is an opinion. Yeah, and you know that both Madison and Hamilton had a agreement at the beginning, and then had a fallout when the news media took them over, and then they went in separate uh, directions, and then they became totally in disagreement with what they had written together and therefore sometimes not understanding the full history, as you said, the Federalist Papers and the reason behind the Bill of Rights does form a lack of correct knowledge. Yes, it does. And we have to know that. It, and unless yeah, we as citizens up. actually know that, then we can be... Uh, can I curse on your show, Bob? Uh, we're almost in uh, Bard's logic after dark, but yeah, as long as yeah, we just don't throw f bombs. That's all. <laughs> okay. um, but yeah, we, and speaking of that, there's only about a minute and a half before we go into uh, the extended period of what we lovingly call Bard's logic after dark. But unfortunately, if you're called dropped after that time, we would not be able to uh, get you back in. So make sure that the uh, phones and mics you have are are good and charged so that we don't accidentally uh, drop any calls. Uh, so just get that programming note. But let's go ahead. Yeah, you can uh, say a okay. few uh, choice uh, words the there. All right, I would say we've been we can easily bullshit it because we, the American people, really don't take that much time to really investigate heavy weighted things because they're very boring. So, and the Constitution is extremely important. We have to know what the legislators are doing and why they're doing it. Everybody will always say, well, it's unconstitutional. How the hell do you know if it's unconstitutional? I'm talking about the general populace. How the hell do you know if it's unconstitutional? Well, I read the Constitution. Mm, so what? You could be wrong. Well, I'm not wrong. Well, how do you know you're not wrong? Well, I know I'm not wrong. Well, you have to have, a con you have, to have opposing views. You learn from your mistakes. If you think that you are infallible, I'm not talking about anybody here on the line. I'm talking about the generic you. If you, I, think that we are infallible, 
Well, it's not going to be a nice, rude awakening when somebody comes along and just shoves reality right down our throat. So that's my opinion about how do we know. What was your cuss word? I didn't hear one. I'm sorry I didn't hear you. What was your cuss word? I didn't hear one. He wanted to hear the cuss word. I said bullshitted. You know, if you were a oh. farmer, you'd know that that's a real word, you know. Oh, all right. <laughs> okay. So yeah, you can yeah. just tell everyone you're a farmer. Yeah, I'm only saying farm <laughs> words, folks. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What What is your name? I didn't quite catch My name it. is Joe. Joe, that's my name too. Joe, I, I have to say something. Uh, you've completely opened my mind to a, a, a perspective that I've never heard before, and wow, I'm just so grateful you came on this show because you learn something new every day, and I never thought about it the way that you articulated it, but how could I until someone brings that to the table? And you're absolutely right in every way, shape, and form in what you said, and it just it blew me away. I'm just amazed and um, grateful for your contribution because, wow, where have you been? You know, well, thanks. Uh, I'm glad that um, yeah, I'm glad I said it. And yeah. I'm glad you know people are listening to it. And I'm glad that well, one, one at a time, guys. <laughs> Good. No, that was. I'm just glad that uh, it does make sense um, to somebody besides me. <laughs> well, that's well, yeah. Go ahead and uh, yeah. go ahead and finish that, Joseph. And then uh, Kelly, go ahead. I know you got a, a, something you want to bring up on that. No, that was it. Okay, go ahead, Kelly. All right. Well, Joe, I'm really glad you called in. I like your perspective, and it's obviously coming from a logical, well-researched position. When I say um, I don't believe the federal government belongs in social issues, that it's in the hands of the states, that's a well-researched position because the states became states on July 4th, 1776, Declaration then they formed the federal government. And since then, there's been several court cases that introduced the concept of dual sovereignty. Um, Prince versus U.S., Justice Scalia, in this, in this country, you have a system of dual sovereignty that helps keep each other in check. Um, if we were in the 1800s, everybody would be a, well, duh, of course the state is, you know, and they can secede if they want to. Well, that's what they did. And then that caused a big disaster mess. But... Um, Bond versus U.S. is another one. Um, of course, we have the Ninth and the Tenth Amendment, which people were screaming. The states, independently, were screaming for the Bill of Rights. And they actually, uh, uh, Madison threw it out in the first session of Congress. And, uh, hey, the people were screaming for a Bill of Rights. And, of course, the congressman at the time said, oh, whoops, sorry about that, guys. We'll get that right out to you. And they did. And Virginia was holding out, joining the Union <clears throat> until that was that was affirmed. So the states had enormous power back then. Since then, it's been upside down. So that's an example of a well-researched why am I into states' rights, that the federal government does not belong in the bedroom, the womb, or the vein. That's up to the states. Because once you open the door to social issues, you have given the the federal government a blank check to grow to infinity, and here we are today. So the, another thing, I think you would really like some other writings too, uh, Joe. 
Mm-hmm. One of the most brilliant um, I've seen from Jefferson is his letter to Thomas Paine, dated July 2nd, 1789, when France was um, firing their king and setting up uh, a constitution. And just all over the place, what Einstein was to physics, Jefferson was to liberty. That was one, and then there's <clears throat> the state trials of England, which the Supreme Court actually refers to here and there in, in court rulings. You know, you'll see state trials, volume two, page 432, or state trials, volume one, um, page 643. The state trials of England greatly influenced our entire legal system and, believe it or not, the Constitution and the liberties of, of a free people. Um, and Jefferson and Adams and other attorneys, Black uh, Blackstone, Blackstone uh, commentaries on the British law, 1760s, and I believe the early 1770s. His fourth version was not clearly dated, but he was studying um, the state trials of England, which was a composite of case law all the way back to the 1100s. Fascinating stuff. Um, and so when you understand how Great Britain, they had you know trial by jury, there it was, Magna Carta, they had other things. Um, when you study the history of, of the the development over time of the liberties of a free people, you know, John Locke, it flowed right into the framers' minds, and even they had a dispute. You were mentioning, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Alexander Hamilton and the dispute there. Jefferson and John Adams, although they were dear friends, they didn't talk to each other for several years because they had such disputes. And so it's it's a fascinating position to take saying this is or isn't constitutional, well, again, I go back to just before you came on the show. I would love to see a constitutional attorney's opinion of uh, our new appointee, uh, what his writings have been, and do they line up with what he is saying? Um, because it takes a lot of time to, st- to study um, a, a justice appointee's his previous his writings. Right. And that would be the best best way to determine. Because on my my. Uh, view the jury is still out with with Kavanaugh. Um, I, I don't know. I haven't researched enough to really get. I'm not going to get on a bandwagon because we have to, as citizens, not only know the Constitution but the history behind it and other things. And, and what's beautiful about the Constitution is some things are simple enough that if a congressman is voting for an unconstitutional bill, the, the founders wrote it simple so that the electorate could say, "Hey, look." My congressman did this. This is so unconstitutional. It's so simple, so clear. I'm voting him the heck out of office. And that was one gift they gave us was the simplicity of the Constitution. Well, at the same time, it created quite a bit of debate. So it's an interesting – and I I absolutely adore that people like you are studying furiously. And I love your challenge to um, have a debate because when when a research logical position is – challenged by a debate, it gets tested, and you see what the person really thinks, and they really know their stuff. And, um, you know, support it with facts, history, this and that. Hey, look, this guy's really good. He favored well in a debate. If he sounds like an idiot, then what the heck are we doing confirming him in the Senate? Um, Because, you know, Proverbs, it says, as iron sharpens iron, so does one man sharpen another. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I like I like a lot of your thoughts, and I hope, I hope you join us again. 
No, I've been here before. Um, I will come yeah, back I know, again. I know. And uh, yeah, and again, it's, it's not only just for the field of law; it's for anything. I have my opinions. My opinions have been proven wrong. Um, I've proven other other people's opinions wrong simply because taking a look at the facts and said, well, if this equals A, and if A equals B, then C has to equal B or A or both. And if you're using logic, then you're going to come down to the, to the nitty-gritty of what an opinion is. And as you said, if you're, doing the, if you're going to do the research, the law is open to interpretation, um, unfortunately, because Again, all laws theoretically have to conform to the Constitution, and if we don't know what the Constitution really means, because the Constitution is supposedly there to reflect the legal opinions of our founders, and we don't know what the legal opinions are unless we actually do the research of everything that's relevant that was written by them and about them, and then to find out the opposing opinions. And this goes for any field. I don't care if it's physics. I don't care if it's math. I don't care if it's science. I don't care if it's history. Facts, supposedly, are facts. But when it comes to the law, it's always open to interpretation. What does this law actually mean? And how do we know what this law actually means unless we know, unless we drive back in a time machine to what Jefferson, Hamilton, et al., thought about this particular situation. And when we do that, then we come up with a debate about, well, are the originalists the ones that should interpret the law, or should interpret the Constitution, rather, or should it be the living document guys? They both have merits. Which merit is worth more? Well, I believe both, actually. Some say, well, it's a document set in stone. Some say it's a living, breathing document. I agree with both positions. Well, that sounds a little strange. Yeah. No, no, I said they both have merits. But which one is going to be the one that's going to push the judge to be the 5-4 vote, the swing vote? And again, I didn't get on this too much, but I don't like the idea that, okay, let's vote in a liberal, let's vote in um, a conservative. Whatever happened to pure neutrality? Whatever happened to logic being logic? Did Jefferson write this? Did he write this to mean this? Did he, is this what he said in plain black and white back then? And should he, when we take a look at what he had said, does it really apply to today? For example, the uh, firearms, uh, the right to bear arms, not about the net, whether or not it, um, it applies to the National Guard or to militia, but let's say, for example, we as Americans have the right to bear arms. What type of arms? Should we have the same kind of arms as police in order to protect ourselves from um, a potential police state? So does that mean back then arms meant a musket? But what happens now in today's technology? We eventually will have the ability to have handheld lasers. Oh, well, actually, actually historically, I can, ex- I can actually explain that. Okay, that'll be cool. I, you know, the, yeah, the difference because, <laughs> see, okay, the way our country was set up was a well-regulated militia, full Second Amendment, um, <clears throat> a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, and the right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Back then, pretty much everybody 
had a gun or a musket or a pistol and you were accoutred with all sorts of supplies, if you didn't have one, the army would, armory would provide you with one. You, know, you, you, you sign in with it, all that stuff, and you'd take it home. Now, when it comes to things like cannons... I was going to get to that, yeah. Cannons were in the armory. You know, let's say some Bob idiot goes to the militia leader, which, by the way, was elected. Um, and again, well-regulated, meaning the states would write the regulations on the militia, so they have disciplinary procedures, etc. Chain of command, who's, who's in charge, because we didn't quite have an army. It was the well-regulated militia, which means it was a public entity. So if um, some Bob guy who was crazy, he says, and I just use Bob fictitiously, just whoever, you know. So Bob says to the militia captain, hey, I want to take the cannon home for the weekend and go deer hunting. Bob would say, hell no, and I'm going to, I don't trust you because I don't really know you. Who knows, you could blast your neighbor next door with a cannon. You ain't taking it home. It stays in the arm in the armory. So that's how this argument, I believe. And what about a what about a machine gun? Well, it's in the armory. You know, you want to protect yourself and get called to duty. Yeah, you need a rifle. But the well, big unless heavy you're equipment. in 1920 Chicago, where the Tommy gun was legal. Oh, <laughs> interesting. Okay. So, well, the militia was converted to the National Guard in 1906 by the Dick Act. But we won't. I don't have time for that. But basically, with the bigger public, the militia was public. It wasn't private. Um, accountable to the public. So these big weapons would be in the armory. But historically, yeah, pretty much you had a rifle. You had a pistol. Take it home. You brought your own. Um, so that historically, hopefully, answers the the question. Well, it does historically, but but supposing again. Bearing, bearing arms, if you're going to make the equivalent of yesteryear, of the musket, which evolved into the, um, the, the rifle and the shotgun, and then, of course, the, uh, the armory would have the Gatling gun, etc. The equivalent to that today would be, well, not today, but let's say in a few years from now, if you were allowed to have uh, not just concealed carry, but open carry, could be phasers, lasers, because that's a handheld gun. It's, it's a hell of a lot more dangerous than a Gatling gun. But if you're having it, and the police are having it, why not? Well, the answer could be, well, you know what? If I'm an originalist, and if um, they had muskets back then, and this is the equivalent of a musket, you're allowed to have a phaser by your side because also the police have a phaser. But that phaser could wipe out city blocks in five seconds. So should you have it? So therefore, it would be the originalist versus the living document. And you both would be using the same argument. The equivalency of the musket, which could be held by your side or wrapped or put on your shoulder, versus the, the phaser, which could be put into a simple little holster, or as in the phaser rifle, could be put on your shoulder. So debate goes on. Oh, yeah, it, I'm, and I yeah, just want to put a little, fe- little, and we do have uh, John on the line. John will get John, but a little factoid uh, that by the RJ Global Polling Company, my opinions have been found to be 100% correct all the time. 
Um, Did, so, do you own that company, look, Bob? Uh, maybe, but uh, <laughs> you own the company. <laughs> Robert has a secret life. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. Oh, okay. <laughs> So, but you count that on real quick, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. Uh, it's about quarter after the hour. Uh, I do want to be able to uh, to bring John on. Of course, everyone's mics uh, will be open. Uh, so let's go ahead and uh, well, a lot of Jays on tonight. Uh, let's go ahead and uh, if I could get there, we go. Welcome, John. Thank you very much, John, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Oh man, it's been great just listening to you guys, man. I hope everybody out there is getting a good feel and paying attention because, man, this is awesome. Um, I just wanted to throw a little interjection in there. I appreciate Joe coming on and like Joseph and and Kelly and Dr. Tolbert. It's always good to hear you guys. You've been on here several times before. And uh, with this last little conversation, though, I wanted to ask, well, don't you feel that your right to protect you is between you and God? Because otherwise, you're at the you're at survival of the fittest. Because as long as you allow other people to dictate to you how you protect yourself and what weapons you use to protect yourself, you're a slave to whoever it is that gets to decide that for you. I'm glad that you brought that up because if we had enough time, I was going to um, evolve into the point of constitution versus morality because i i'm a libertarian but i'm not that much of a constitutionalist i think morality means more than law so i'm glad you brought that up well to me it's just the basic human behavior of natural law says that if you're being forced against your will without your consent you're going to take any weapon you can whether it's poison or blow darts, whatever you had. And it's just like our founding fathers, whenever they were, or founding freedom fighters is what I call them because the women were involved too. But uh, when they were faced with having to um, defend themselves in the 13 colonies against Great Britain, well, they were they were looking around saying, hey, we're going to use everything we can. and We're not just going to, you know, take the bows and arrows from the Indians and use them or these muskets. You know, we're, if we had other means to defeat these people, we would have used them. And there was probably some kind of germ warfare that we don't talk about that was going on at that point in time because there's certain vacuoles people that understood that stuff and they became a part of that group and it's just being lost in history. But it still was a part of it. We just don't talk about it for whatever reason. And so nowadays we got these people that are supposed to be reflections of representing us because we have a um, property called intellectual property, self-governing, and we allow that. So basically we give our, whenever we vote, we're handing over our intellectual property, self-governing, to our representatives saying, hey, you take care of this as if it was me taking care of it and you do me no harm with it. Well, if they get into office, because we voted them into office, and then they turn around and enforce laws, rules, processes, and procedures against you, and do don't and they harm you, well, gee whiz, that's extrinsic fraud and, and uh, fraudulent conveyance. It's racketeering, embezzlement, 
it goes against the morality of natural law as well as the freedom of contract and the right of due process. Because if they can get into office and then deny you your due process rights of good faith bargaining, good faith negotiations, mutual out of agreement, they've just exercised extrinsic fraud against you and deprived you of your due process constitutional right. Needless to say, your human rights under natural law, but most we don't most people don't get into these kind of deep conversations and it's a failure of of consideration from the get go. Fraud one oh one, uh fraud in the inducement. Back to you, Rob. Well since Rob is making a sandwich. Um I am making a sandwich, actually. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't make a sandwich. I could, use, I could use it. I could use one. Let me tell you, I did skip. Uh, I did skip Rob, dinner tonight. Is that a uh, <laughs> Rob, is that no, a but it's, it's an early morning tomorrow, so I won't try to eat. I won't try to eat dinner tonight. <laughs> well, the thing is, when you're talking about natural law, that's that's open to debate about who's going to interpret what natural law means. Now, I have right. to believe. And who subscribes to it? Yeah. You know, um, I believe in property rights. I believe that everybody has boundaries. Everybody has property, and people should not encroach upon your property. Then there's going to be a debate. And I've wondered about when the settlers came in, um, who had dibs on which property? In other words, who got to a certain area of the forest and said, well, I I want my property to be five acres. Somebody else um, gets to about the same area of the forest and says, I want my property to be 10 acres. And then the properties overlap. So who's going to decide where the fence should be? How they decided was the way of the, um, <laughs> the cattlemen versus the ranchers versus the sheep herders. They took out the guns, and they decided it that way. If they couldn't decide it peacefully, that's how they decided well, actually, uh, there's, there's, um, there was a practice in this country. For, I'm, by the way, I'm a land consultant, civil engineer. Droit Droit was where the two neighbors would walk the property line together every year so they'd remember. But then along came surveying and uh, a map with legal description. And in today's world, yes, surveyors screw up. And uh, it gets so complicated, finally a judge has to decide. And both... Um, Attorneys are going to argue, well, I think it's five feet over on, the, on his property. No, I think it's on the fence where the fence is now. And so they argue and argue in case law, and ultimately the decision presently today, it ends up in the judge's hands. Sometimes they'll do jury trials, but pretty much 90-plus percent of the trial cases are by judges with an expert witness of a surveyor and an attorney. That's how they decided today. But that's kind of a boring, I'm sure people are falling asleep already. Um <laughs> But we're lucky in this country to have, in this country, we're very fortunate to have title companies and county recorder's office that have the legal descriptions. So as far as other countries believe, you have to put up a monument for like five years. You know, we we have a dispute. Anybody claim this land or not or whatever. Other countries are an absolute disaster mess as far as where the property is, how many acres, where is the property. I had clients that thought, hey, this is my parcel here. I oh, no, it's not. What? Let me show you where your property is. It's next door. What? <laughs> mm-hmm. So, but we have uh, a system but... in place. I, just, I don't know. It's happened a few times, and I'm just, like, laughing. And no, I'm, I'm just saying that. <laughs> I wasn't well, actually asking a question. 
Yeah, no, Wait, okay, a title officer told me... Yeah, a title officer told me one of the worst situations she had was in Lake Tahoe, very valuable lakefront property. Um, some guy shows up, and he sees somebody built a house on his property. So he walks up to the owner and says, thanks for building a house on my property. And he's like, what? That was my property. No, it's not. Yeah, it is. Hire the surveyor. Sure enough, it was. Clearly, his property, he gets a free house. But he was gracious, and he said, tell you what, I'll just trade you lots, and we'll call it done. So they worked it out that way. But they had a title insurance claim to pay the surveyors and all this stuff, and it was you know, it was a mess for a while. Yeah, I mean, I'm not well, kidding. People, people make these mistakes. Um, you know, I had a project, dude. We got you variance for the setback instead of 30 feet, it's 20 feet, but you still got to shave off 19 inches of the building you built without a permit. Um, <laughs> it's just people yeah. do this stuff. Yeah, and then it goes back to law again, and the law again has to conform to what the Constitution says, and there again goes the debate. So when you bring it back down with the municipal values versus state values versus the Constitution, it's debate versus debate versus debate. And we as the American populace, if there's anything that we should know about uh, regarding our history, it should be the Constitution. And that way um, we'll take at least the first step and a very important step to getting our minds out of the matrix. Because otherwise we will just become brainwashed, useful idiots absorbing everything that our politicians tell us because we don't know any better. And, this, that's, and the reason we don't is because the schools don't really take the time to teach the Constitution, nor do they teach logic. Critical thinking, yeah. Yeah. And without a formal course in logic, who are we? We're people who grow up and evolve, and eventually we may or may not find our way. Right. Well, what's interesting about the legal trade, the attorneys are, um, well, they're really good debaters, and they get paid for it. You can call them master debaters, and they get paid for, for master debating. Mm. Um. Yeah, I know. I, I, I knew that was coming. As soon as I heard master debater, I said, yeah. Mm. Yeah. And I think, that would be, I think that's a great segue there, Kelly, to uh, our, uh, a portion of the show. We didn't get a lot of time in, but... Uh, We'll talk about anyone. That's, uh, of course, uh, Peter Stroke. I mean, Struck. Uh, oh. <laughs> Peter Stroke. Oh, I know. It's not Stroke, but I do like to make fun of it. Um, um, stroke and Page. No. <laughs> I'm just going to go there. It's Bosch. Isn't, isn't Stroke uh, and, and Wiener? Wait. Isn't, isn't stroke. stroke and Wiener? Uh, Wiener's runner for president and Stroke for vice president, so it's the Wiener Stroke ticket. Um <laughs> <laughs> I thought. Uh, well, well, are you saying? Are you saying Holder dropped out? <laughs> Holder Wiener struck. Uh, the Wiener Holder. Oh my God. I guess he yeah. dropped out, and now you got uh, the Wiener yeah. Holder. The Holder Holder dropped out, so now you got. <laughs> Do you guys know anything about the development of of the Page Stroke phenomenon? Because Page supposedly, I just read this a few minutes ago, has testified to certain areas of Stroke's testimony. And her testimony kind of conflicts with his. So, does anybody know more about that? Yeah, I've heard some. Uh, I heard some of it. Whereas you know, he was trying to contest. I mean, I've seen some of his uh, his interviews, and he was trying to contest that. You know, oh well, I really didn't mean it. You guys are taking what I, you know, what I said out of context. And she's probably saying, no, those texts are pretty much what you know are how you read them. 
so that that's the you know the gist of what I've I've got. Yeah, that's from, what I just read. Yeah, and I downloaded the uh, the two and the ten hours of the testimony of uh, Stroke versus Gowdy's putting on a nice dog and pony show. And Paige, I just read that um, she's saying that what they actually said, they actually meant. And that could be all that's needed to light the bonfire, you know, and put uh, put Stroke back into his little box. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, you know... I'm, I'm ho- you know, I'm hoping that, of course, this shows, look, you know, this Mueller investigation is a bunch of crap, uh, at least in my opinion it is. Um, speaking of opinion, which, according to the RJ Global uh, Polling Company, is 100% right. What's your 100% um, all right? All the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 200% right, exactly. Uh, mm-hmm. Then, yes, my, that opinion's correct. Uh, but, you know, anyway, so I'm hoping that, uh, you know, it doesn't. And remember, I mean, the, she says ex-lover, through my understanding, and uh, but what's that? There's nothing more than a woman scorn, or nothing to beware more than a woman scorn. So I don't know. But I tell you, did, did anyone see the? Uh, you mentioned with Gowdy. Um, did anyone you know see any of those? I mean, we didn't see. The, I'm talking about with uh, Stroke. I mean, Struck. Uh, yeah, I saw. You know, any any of those uh, yeah. interactions? Oh yeah, I mean they, they were as testy as the, the pundits had had said. Uh, very good going back and forth theater, but again, Gowdy and the rest of the uh, the traders in Congress could have put an end to this a long time ago. Gowdy now is saying that uh, Stroke struck um, is he doesn't give a damn what Stroke thinks that he's because of his bias he naturally should not have been leading either investigation or been a major fi- uh, figure in any of these in either of these investigations about Trump or Hillary. But Gowdy, um, he's a couple of weeks ago. He was kind of saying that, um, you know, these the Mueller's doing a good job, and oh he yeah, mm-hmm. he doesn't see any anything going on at that particular time which should conflict with what Mueller's doing. But all of a sudden now he's for um, Struck being somebody that can't be really trusted. I don't trust Gowdy. I don't, in fact, I don't trust anybody up there, uh, you know, totally. I do trust Rand Paul more than anybody else, but other than him, I don't Yay. trust anybody. <laughs> <laughs> and I wish I had time to play that audio clip, uh, you know, about uh, he was, uh, he had an interview, uh, I think with Wolf Blitz or whoever, uh, on CNN. It's about 11-minute clips. I don't know if we'll have time for that. I you know, I, I knew you would enjoy it, uh, Susan. I mean, I, I did as well. But he, he kind of, he kind of put uh, put him in his place, yeah, and maybe you know, towards him, we'll have that. But I mean, you make a good point. I mean, you, you just texted something, Dr. Colbert, a, a good point that you made uh, about which you know how about her throwing not just uh, stroke under the bus or stroke under the bus, but you know she threw some others. Go ahead and tell us more about that. Yeah, for those that are following the. Uh what Paige is saying and what I just sent to uh, Robert was that uh, she's also tossed James Comley, uh, Andrew McCabe, Peter Stroke, and Bill Peerstrap, among others, under the congressional bus, alleging the upper echelon FBI concealed intelligence confirming what we were discussing earlier, that Chinese state-backed assets 
had illegally required formal uh, Secretary of State uh, Hillary Clinton's 30,000-plus missing emails and that the Russians did not actually do this. And this was the argument we were having with why are they continuing pursuing uh, Russia and Trump in the discussions, and they're not looking at pages actually released information showing that the majority of members of the FBI knew that the Chinese were involved uh, in the situation. So there's a lot going on that is not being discussed in the open media. And going back to another thing that, you know, John and everybody wants to get into the defense, you know, I'm a retired master sergeant and a pastor and a doctor of education. So Currently, less than 4% of our society is even getting involved. Uh, there may be 7% of the veterans that are still living in America, and we write articles about the VA to the president, uh, whereas we had the 12%. So when we get back to the original 13 states and we get back to our militia, where we had a very small majority also defending the large majority of the population, that's a continuation of today. So we take a talk show like Robert. Uh, we submit it uh, in a document that's going out next week to the president of 16 articles, which is on calledtoduty.org. Uh, and it will be, in fact, adding not only the Islam, the Constitution, Sharia law. Uh, we're going to be including the Electoral College and the web link of the show tonight and the show that we did on Monday. It is important that the president gets briefed on what the Constitution is about so that he's better informed to make decisions who he selects for his cabinet and his post. Because currently, most of the individuals, which, by the way, is only 20% uh, of, of his cabinet post comparison to the other presidents as he gets ready to go into his third year. So this is not about being a Republican or a Democrat or a political party. It's about how is a president even related to political parties and why do we even allow a corporation to be ahead of. So when we filed the antitrust agreement against the two political parties and the federal government antitrust part said they will put it on records, we got to go back into the fact that political parties under the Electoral College are totally not correct, and that what is being said on a show like this one or what was said on Sally's show on Monday is what the president needs to be advised so he can make decisions that he's not aware of because he is not a student of the Constitution. Can I jump in? Yeah, John. Yeah, um, like I mentioned a couple of times on uh, past shows, you know, the Russian investigation was all just a fishing expedition, and we know that because number one, they weren't going off going after anybody but Trump and those that were associated with Trump. Because remember, I even said they should be going after the media as well as all the congressmen, because think about it. The congressmen have had all kinds of relationships with Russian people for as long as they've been in office. 
We even have a U.S. ambassador for Russia as a member of our government, as well as the media have reporters and stuff over there all the time. And you know that most of these media are owned by the oligarchs, and the oligarchs are always trying to manipulate the situation where they can, you know, play their Machiavellian scam. And that's what I think Trump is stuck between a hard place and a rock in the in a Machiavellian trick where the people that are the oligarchs that are running the show, so to speak, they're manipulating this situation in order to be able to say, you know, uh, Donald Trump's an idiot and we're going to make him look bad, when they're the ones that probably used the CIA or the intelligence to plant the false dossier in the first place, and then they're fabricating false evidence against the Russian people that they're trying to claim that's actually supposedly the one that did it, in order to give protection to the oligarchy with um, Clinton and them who were trying to steal it. But Trump used his own money and had nobody to um, be beholden to, so he was able to kind of go around them. And then whenever the, um, the Republican Party and Democrat Party were trying to pull their stuff, remember they snake old Selman Bernie Sanders out of the Democratic nomination, and then whenever um, everybody in the Republican Party, they were trying to snake old salesman Trump out of it by saying, oh, delegates, go vote your conscience and stuff. Well, people like me were calling all kinds of places all over America trying to get people to be aware that, hey, you know, uh, Senator, Utah Senator Mike Lee stood up in the RNC about halfway through on the second day of the Rules Committee saying, oh, the delegates, you can just vote your, confident, uh, your conscience and uh, ignore the vote of the people and what the people's will was. And I'm like going, this is just the elite Washington establishment using the government, insider trading, antitrust, in order to be able to finger everybody and do what they want and then protect themselves by putting forth this false, fabricated nonsense in order to trick the population into following, following their baloney. Back to you. Well, until Robert comes in, as a side note, Mike Lee now is uh, championing Trump, which is a far cry for what he was doing, according to you, John when he's trying to uh, influence people to vote against uh, the will of the um, of the delegates. And as a side note, when you're talking about oligarchs, has anybody watched Billions? Because that now has evolved into a very good program, and John Malkovich is playing a Russian oligarch, and it shows in a very limited way, but, a, uh, but in a way that makes an impact about the power of the Russian oligarchs here in America. And um, John Malkovich is doing a good job. And Billions, and this this season and last season, has some brilliant scripts. <laughs> yeah, I asked. Go ahead, uh, Dr. Colbert. And I, I have seen some articles and some things alluding to that uh, Lisa Page, you know, pointing some fingers over at, uh, at the Chinese as well. But uh, go ahead, Dr. Colbert. Yeah, what I want to do is interject before we get to the close that we need to go back into the Pledge of Allegiance. So I asked Robert if I could just do this for a minute, where we, in fact, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States, which is the 
fact that they are sovereign states of America and to the republic, which is we are not a uh, democracy. We are a right. republic. Right. The total difference of a voting rights of each call? individual under Anybody a democracy here? versus for voting for a person that we want to run for office, uh, for which it stands one nation. So we take our 50 states that become a nation and we put them under God. And there's the argument of are we a Christian nation when we had the founding fathers that started and said, if you were not a Christian, you could not be in a political office. In fact, under the original 13th Amendment, it said that you could not be a lawyer and be in public office. They replaced and lost the 13th Amendment and placed it with the Slavery Act. So for people that don't know, the 13th Amendment is really no lawyer could be in a political office under the original 13th Amendment. Uh, God individual. And today we posted liberty and justice for all. We actually took that same statement we went to Venezuela with and other countries that to be a God in liberty and justice for all is that anyone should be enabled to be protected under the Constitution that is a resident of that country legally. And we get into the argument of the OAS, the Organization of American States, the 35 countries, we get in the argument of the DACA, the illegality of the sanctioned cities. And so I wanted to show you where the Constitution, the Pledge of Allegiance, the biblical power, and how it was all wrapped together under one statement, and yet no one is standing today in schools and even expressing or teaching this particular thing. I'm getting a few people who are saying that uh, they're not hearing any audio. Um, I, I mean, I, I still hear uh, you folks. Uh, I just, but Kelly and Joseph both said that they, they don't hear any audio. Mine dropped yeah. out. Yeah, just I didn't. There was a time. Yeah, you were dead, I guess. Well, not you. Really? <laughs> <laughs> You've been revived. Yeah, I got blank. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah George, uh, just that I can hear you now. That's, I tell you what, that's a NSA Bob, let me tell you. I mean, people think we're joking, but I, he, he's out there. <laughs> no, the NSA definitely cuts me off sometimes. We know that for a fact. They're unconstitutional. There's a lot of things that we would have to explain on that one. Yeah, that's kind of weird. You guys couldn't hear us. They don't believe in freedom, liberty, and justice for all in pursuit of happiness to the individual. And one yeah. thing I don't yeah, believe... Yeah, Kelly texted me, too. It's like, where, where'd it go? <laughs> yeah, well, you were making a sandwich. Yeah. Well, now, I'd like to make a sandwich, but... Uh, and actually, uh, looking at the time, thinking about sandwiches, um, I do see that uh, we still have about... Let's see, let me count here... Let's see, about five of us are still in the line still, not including myself. Make that six. And we only got about uh, ten minutes or so, not, uh, about ten minutes to close out the show. So uh, what I'd like to do is, uh, you know, at this part is give everyone uh, about a minute, um, maybe a minute and a half, uh, for closing comments on uh, our discussion tonight. It's definitely probably one of those shows where, 
uh, we could have done a fourth hour. Unfortunately, I'm unable to do so, and plus I'm 6.30 is going to roll around. <laughs> As you know, Dr. Tolbert, you know how that is. Uh, coming around real quick. So let's go ahead and do uh, our closing comments, and we'll do that in this order. Uh, we'll just, I'll just go down the line here. First yourself, Dr. Tolbert, and then, uh, and then you, Joseph, and then Kelly, and then Susan, and then you, Joe, and then John, and then I will uh, close things out for this evening. I do appreciate everyone coming on. Uh, we'll be back next week. We might have some more updates uh, from Kelly. I know he, he was working on hopefully having uh, Jim Condit uh, on the show again next week on what uh, they're following out, finalizing there at uh, the, uh, the Watch to Vote USA. And hopefully we'll be able to get some, uh, some folks on next week uh, to tell us more about that. But let's go ahead. And, uh, again, yourself, Dr. Tolbert, to Joseph, then we'll uh, move forward from there. Go ahead, uh, Dr. Tolbert. Yeah, but the one thing is I need Kelly, if possible, to send me an email, cfabamerica at gmail.com, on the article that he's doing on the visual uh, requirements of images for the election. We've also got a gentleman that is writing an article on the CAIR, which is the Islam organization. And that article will be a, probably 100 pages that will be on the president's desk uh, the first week in August. And I would like to attach <coughs> permission on our website called theduty.org on what he's doing. So I hope that he does that in order that we can spread it even farther than it might be if you do it as one individual. So that's all i got to say. Thank you, Robert. I appreciate it, Dr. Tolbert, and I appreciate uh, you always coming on to the show. Uh, go ahead, Joseph. Yes. Um, so we've addressed a lot of topics today, many more to come, and uh, November is going to be a deciding factor. The midterm elections are going to be so crucial state by state. And... Uh, you know, I try to refrain from turning on the news because you hear nothing but negative. But uh, let's see what happens. Let's see. The ultimate litmus test will be the will of the voters in November. And uh, it's going to make a world of a difference in 2020 whether Republicans can opt for the Senate and the House or whether the Senate and the House goes to the Dems. So I'll continue to fight in the trenches and continue. Uh, campaigning to get as many elected people across the uh, finish line. And um, I just uh, pray that the uh, outcome is um, the outcome that uh, needs to happen, which the Republicans need to right. hold the House. And uh, if, if there's going to be a, a second term for Trump or if, if Trump is even going to be able to enact anything he he wants to pursue for the next following two years. And uh, always a pleasure to be on the show, Robert. Look forward to being back on next uh, again next week. Uh, definitely. Thank you very much, Joseph. And Kelly? Uh, well, you know, the, there's a kind of a buzzing going on. And, uh, oh, I know. No, I hear not, it, too. Yeah. Okay, good. It's not, it's not, the, it's not the wine. All right. Um <laughs> Anyway, um, Dr. Tolbert, uh, cfab at gmail.com, is that correct? cfabamerica at gmail.com, Citizens for a Better America. 
Okay, good. I appreciate uh, somebody. Um, I, I believe a lot of you will help with this, getting the executive order to the governors and the secretary of state so we can make sure. It's a simple thing. Like grab the digital images, start counting on your home computer. There you go. 10% of a few precincts. Um, anyway, so enough of that. Um, yeah, and, and I want to get John Brakey on too, Robert. He's, he's oh, yeah, one. certainly. It's, it's called, called, I'd like to get him on. Yeah. Yeah, this idea of grabbing the digital ballot images, doing a recount on your home computer, I called it Brakey Method. He's the one who started this. Anyway, um, yeah, I just, um, I really like that, that Joe called in a very, um, Critical, I don't mean that in a negative way, but critical thinking is very important for the preservation of our republic. And Joe has called in and has showed us a lot of really good uh, researched logic. Um, I know you've been on before, and I, you know, you're, you're always challenging me to think. I mean, I'd love to talk to you personally, <laughs> uh, share some information. Yeah, I, I just, I think I, I really like this because we need so many, so many people to, to study the Constitution. And, uh, and, um, you know, anyway, all right. Um, I guess, you know, I kind of want to conclude. I mean, I know I brought some heavy stuff in today. I'd kind of, I want to conclude lightly by by three dirty jokes, okay? Um, the, the first dirty joke is, a boy fell in the mud. Okay, the next dirty joke, the boy, a boy fell in the pig pen. Okay, the last dirty joke, an attorney fell in the pig pen and the pig the pigs jumped out. <laughs> that was probably the best one, Kelly. The last one. <laughs> <Yeah>. Okay. <laughs> okay. Good night, all. Glad to talk to you guys again. Good night. Thanks, Kelly. And yourself, uh, Susan. I didn't get his joke. I, I'm sorry. I guess I'll get it. <laughs> well, you're a farm can, girl. He'll so. probably be in there. fell in the pig pen and the pigs jump. The yeah. attorney fell in the pig pen and the pig jumped out. Oh, okay. Now it's all right. Now oh, you didn't hear it, the joke. I oh, okay. <laughs> no, I, I, I did. I just oh. like, huh? <laughs> oh. Um, I'm going to go off on a little. There's something Donald Trump can do to make me happy, and that is to um, pardon. Uh, and protect Snowden and Assange. Assange may be kicked out of his country and uh, where he's at. And I don't know where he'll be except next. I know they've, everybody has fought it against him. And you know what? He helped Bernie and he helped Trump by exposing a lot of stuff. So I really want to see justice done for those two. So anyway... Um, that is what I have to say. I know it's not quite on topic, but that I was so angry when I read about that that we're not sticking up with these two and and everything. It just oh, bugs me no end. So I and I don't know if his new justice would have to rule or new. Well, I appreciate that, Susan. Let's go ahead, uh, Joe. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm going to second what Susan said. I think uh, Trump should do that. I'm interested in the Page remarks because if uh, if it can be confirmed that what Page uh, 
supposedly it said. She actually did say, as I said before, it's going to set a bonfire. It's going to make the Mueller investigation look exactly like what Trump described it as, a witch hunt. And it should put the, uh, the investigation to bed and maybe even start an investigation into Mueller. And um, that, that would be necessary. But then again, it, it would just continue with the, uh, the tradition of our particular Congress of doing everything slowly, slowly, slowly. So that's all I have to say until um, the next time I come back. So until then, good night, guys, and have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye. Uh, thank you very much, Joe. Hope to hear you again. Yeah, I've heard we've people have been cutting in and out again, so uh, I guess we're going to wait to hear it. Um, and uh, let's go ahead, and John, uh, for your closing comments, and then I'll uh, proceed to uh, close things out for tonight. Go ahead, John. Yeah, thanks, everybody, for joining to the show. And also all you listeners out there, share with your friends, family, and your neighbors and everybody, you know, about the show and come back yourself, make some good notes, and then your own ideas that popped up during the show that didn't get discussed, think about how you can bring them to the discussion so that way we can learn from what you have to offer. I also want to echo what um, Miss Susan was saying. Donald Trump, you need people that are diehard um, Americans and Edward Snowden helped us realize the crookedness that was going on in our intelligence groups and our government and the judiciary and all these places, as well as Russell Tice, um, William Benny, Thomas Drake. You need to bring them back on board to help you because these people risk their life and everything. They, they don't stand behind the government. They risk everything for the American way. So back to you, Rob. Well, I definitely, uh, definitely appreciate. What's that? I said I liked his comment. What John just said. Well, I, well, I definitely appreciate uh, everyone uh, coming in tonight. Well, of course, we uh, look forward to uh, everybody coming back next week. Uh, we'll get some uh, maybe things from uh, Kelly, and we'll be able to get uh, those folks on. Uh, but uh, just a request that I'll have before I close things out for this evening. I know uh, originally uh, I've been asking, you know, talking to folks about uh, my campaign to uh, get my daughter to uh, Italy. I'm still working on that, uh, but something uh, that's come up that's even more important kind of hit uh, myself in, in the head like a brick is if folks put out, uh, you know, some positive thoughts and for prayerful people. I do, you know, even though I'm not per se a believer, I do appreciate those who, uh, who send those prayers out. Um, for us, uh, past couple months actually, um, you know, my daughter has been uh, suffering from a condition where, unfortunately, it's gotten a little worse. Uh, and so, uh, if people could just put some, you know, positive right. thoughts and things out uh, there for her, uh, I would really appreciate it. So we we can get some things turned around for. Her. Um, but anyway, I'd really I'd really appreciate that. And so I'm going to. Uh, Go ahead and uh, thank everyone uh, for that uh, and for coming tonight. We'll we'll see you again next week. Um, but I will uh, close tonight out tonight as I do every night, and that is with the song by Aubrey Ashburn. And you can hear more of her music by going to www.aubreyashburn.com. Take care, folks. Good night, and we'll see you next time. Good night.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.